Hey everybody, welcome back for another version of Hey Sawbones, my story, my passion. This week's guest, um, awesome guy. Uh, he's a real estate attorney here in Erie, Pennsylvania at the McDonald, uh, McDonald Illig Law Firm. Has a wonderful wife, uh, Chris, uh, five children. Um, it's a great story. You're going to definitely want to stick around to hear kind of how he grew up, where he grew up. Um, his commonalities with me with basketball, his passion for basketball. He actually coached basketball in this area too. His name is uh, Jim Tui, and he's a great guy. He's a very, very dear friend of mine. I've grown very close to him over the past six, seven years. I have a ton of respect for him, both personally and professionally, but you are not going to want to miss this episode. Amazing story. Um, he has he comes from a large family, very prominent uh, father figure who was an attorney. Um, up until his mid to late 80s. So uh, stick around. Uh, looking forward to this episode, and I know you guys are really going to enjoy it. Have a great day. All nurses to the nurses station. Lawless country people are real Some of my kinfolk don't get around too good, you see. When that doctor asked them, son, how'd you get in this condition? They says, hey, soft bones, I'm just a carrying on an old family tradition. They want to know, doc, Tell me all about it, Doc. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hey Sawbones, my story, my passion. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Molly, orthopedic surgeon, cutter of bones, entrepreneur, businessman, and most importantly, loving husband and busy of uh, father of three busy boys. So, I'm really excited about tonight's episode. This is episode 15, by the way. Hard to believe that we started this a couple months ago, and we've done it every single week for um, 15 episodes straight. And tonight's episode uh, is going to leave everybody out there wanting to, to hang out with this guy because he is truly the real deal. I like to consider him a local legend. He's from the Erie area. Um, he is a local attorney, real estate attorney. Uh, kind of born and bred here, and uh, without further ado, Mr. Jim Tui, how are you, buddy? Thank you for having me. Yeah, good Thank, to be here. Thanks for for coming on. So cool, uh, Jim. As we always kind of start these out, our guests want to know a little bit more about you, like who you are, what you do, where you're from, kind of the the thirty thousand foot view, and then we'll get into the nitty gritties with the questions. All right, I'll start with who I am now. I'm a uh, I've been practicing i'm a partner at a firm mcdonald illig which you know you're the well. second mcdonald illig attorney we've had on this. i'm sorry 
for all your audience, attorneys to a minimum. So yeah, I've been there for about 10 years. Um, I came back to Erie 12 years ago. I have a, I have five kids, five children. My oldest is Declan. He's a junior in high school. Then Kate, Ryan, um, my daughter, and then Nate and Marin. And um, they are every two years, every two grades. So we go 11th grade down to third grade. My wife, Christine, uh, we don't live too far from you. And um, yeah, I think that uh, I've been in Erie all but my phase of life where I was in Chicago. So born and raised here. Um, went to cathedral prep following St. George. So Catholic school kid, um, went to the university of Notre Dame for a couple of years, uh, decided that that wasn't going to be for me transferred to Gannon for what I thought was gonna be a semester. I ended up graduating there, um, was a English major. Um, I was, a um, intending to be a basketball coach and an English teacher for my life. And I did that for a whole stretch of years. But at one point, right, I decided that uh, I wanted to figure out what the world was made of because Erie's great, but Erie's, you know, we know our community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to law school in Chicago, Loyola Chicago, and thought that I was going to spend the rest of my life there. I spent 11 years uh, practicing there after I went to Loyola. And then um, its own long story, moved back to Erie, which I'll skip uh, with my wife. We'll and, get into that with yeah, the, the questions. At point one point, at that point, we just had our third um, and so Christine and I, after some deliberation, moved back. Um, and now I've been back here since I feel like, uh, 2011 and Erie's been, you know, it's all the stuff that when you grew up in Crawford County, Erie County, you hear great stuff about raising a family there. But when you're in your twenties, sometimes you might question how much is going on, but Erie has been phenomenal to our family. And, you know, we've gotten to know each other since I've returned and you've come, um, life is good. Yeah. So. Are you thirsty? Absolutely. Right? You so, know me, man. <laughs> so, you know, every episode we do what's called the uh, the beverage break, right? Okay. And, Let's go. Um, I ask all my guests, you know, hey, w- would you like to drink? What's your favorite cocktail, beer? It doesn't have to be alcoholic, but um, you, I, you're an IPA guy. You, you kind of like, like a brother beer. from another mother like me. <laughs> sure. And I was just assuming you would want an IPA, and it is middle of October, and uh, I think you were filling the holiday uh, spirit, so sure. to speak, the seasonal spirit. And you said, well, how about like an Oktoberfest or Love it. more of a, a amber type of seasonal beer? So I've got a couple options for you. Cool. And knowing you, you'll probably drink them all, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so here, let <laughs> me let me dig these out. To that. Love it. All right. So first option mm-hmm. is your Oktoberfest. We've yep. got a Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Okay. Second option I've had this one. It's a good standard. Is the Erie Brewing Company, Johnny Rails. I have not had that. That's a pumpkin ale. Yeah, yeah. Then we have, got to dig deep into the vault here. If you're more of a cider guy, we've got Red's Hard Cider. And then we have another type of pumpkin. This is pumpkin ale, dogfish head. Oh. So, and then if you really like that one, you can have a second one. So. Okay. What are you What are you thinking there, Jim? Those are great options. If I was pulling out of my fridge, I'd probably go with the with the uh, dogfish head because that's a I haven't had their pumpkin, but but um I like a lot of their their beer. But I'm gonna stay local. I haven't tried the. Uh, you want the Johnny Rails? Yeah, let's go with the right. Johnny Rails. Let's, let's do get it. you the. Let's get you off the rails with the Johnny Rails. Yeah, here. I'm gonna go pumpkin just because. Right, tis the season. Right. There you go, my friend. Cheers. What am I gonna do? I almost feel like if you're drinking out of a bottle. I need to drink out of a bottle. Perfect. So I'm going to go with Sam Adams. 
Oktoberfest. There's Cheers. a really good um, pumpkin beer out of Pittsburgh. I never remember the name of it. Um, oh, gosh. It'll come to me at some point. Yeah. I had I, it at Otis 12, which is a local wing place here in, in Erie. And um, it was really good. It was if It's one of those beers you can only have like maybe one or two. Well, that's, that's the way it is with a lot of the pumpkin beers, they're, right? They're you really have sweet. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, Cheers, my it's, friend. it's late October. Let's go. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the beverage. So, Jim, I've known you now for, gosh, well, we moved back in 2015. I believe that we were introduced not long after that, probably 2016, probably 2017 at the latest. Mm-hmm. So I've known you for at least six, seven years. And um, I've known you personally. I've known you professionally. You've represented me on some real estate transactions over the years. Um but as you know, we kind of do a question and answer session. I'm going to have you start as my guest asking me six questions, three business, three personal. Um, then we'll turn the tables. I'll do the same with you. The one caveat is that you do, if I ask you a question that you're not comfortable answering, you can veto one question. All right. you get just one though. Okay. All right. And for the record, out of the, your episode number 15, not one person has ever vetoed a question. So uh, I, you know what? That's good power. I like it. Maybe I'll be the first, yeah. uh, especially if you cut it. Right. And, and yeah, Jay, can you edit that? Yeah. No one will know what I'm afraid of. Then. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go. So I'm, I'm first. Yeah, you're first. My pleasure. Um, I'm going to start with something personal. Um, no so, business first. Well, I know that. Sorry. Personal to me. Business oh. related. Um, because I'm in an age where my body's starting to go. I try yeah. to keep up with it, but it's going. And um, my knees have been cranky just in the last half year. Never have been. Um, probably have spent too much time on my feet over the course of my life. Um, certainly uh, still try and run out on a trail on occasion. What would you tell someone that's about my stage, right? Early 50s that wants to take care of their knees best they can to prolong what I think is going to be inevitable. At some point, you're going to replace one of my knees. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you first have to get a diagnosis, right? Cause you can't really treat or make suggestions when you don't know what's going on. Right. So, um, and I'm not trying to promote coming to see me or anything like that, but uh, if you're any of my family members or a good buddy of mine, like you are, I would say just schedule an appointment, come in, um, let us evaluate you. Let us get some x-rays. Uh, I don't have x-ray vision, but you can generally get a pretty good idea of what's going on by listening to people then telling you the stories like when it hurts, what, activities like going up and down stairs really kills me or flat level ground or when I twist things like that. Um, and then what makes it better? What makes it worse? Um, that's one of the things that like the art of medicine, you know, everybody gets so caught up on like the objective things really like looking at an x-ray and saying, do you need a knee replacement or not? But to me, the art of medicine is three things. It's being able to listen to patients and a lot of physicians for whatever reason, they're either not strong at that or they kind of forget that and they try to skip over that and they try to just go to, let me get some studies, let me get some x-rays, let me get some lab values. But if you listen to a patient, it will almost always inevitably lead you down to like the process of elimination of, it's probably one of these two or three things, right? Um, the second thing is to put your hands on a patient, right? To examine them. And again, it's amazing how many physicians that I've seen over the years that have kind of skipped that step too, and they just jump to looking at x-rays or looking at an MRI report or an MRI image. But you can learn so much from putting your hands on somebody and assessing 
the stability of their knee? Do they have any what's called crepitance or uh, crunky, uh, crunching or cracking in the knees? Is that crepitance? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that's like that. It sounds like Rice Krispies or gravel in your knees when, right. you, when you bend it or straighten it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's not necessarily indicative of a problem because right. I have that, yeah. but my knees are fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's oftentimes the result of what's called chondromalacia, which is the cartilage usually underneath the kneecap gets a little soft and maybe a little irregular okay and when you bend and straighten your knee it will give that kind of <laughs> sensation I'm not guessing do like the majority of people experience that yeah, yeah yeah i would say once you get into your probably 30s and 40s I feel like, and, yeah i'm not experiencing it now but i have yep, yep yeah um and then the final thing is like what most people do jump to which is like the objective studies whether it's yeah. x-rays mri cat scans rarely and things like that gotcha Cool. All right. Well, I mean, so you're telling me I got to come in sometime, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to guess right. as to what no, things I are. You, I hear you. I hear you. But, okay. and, and there's lots of things that you can do, you know, well before you're ready for yeah. any type of surgery. Yeah. All right. So can I ask you another business sure. related? These are going to be more like um, more 30,000 foot. Uh, maybe, maybe not the first, but they, but they translate across businesses, right? Yeah. You own a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fortunate to be a partner in a business. So I'm an owner with a bunch of other folks that I like and respect. Um, and it would go into a lot of business fields where we have to be aware of this stuff, right? It's, it's the future. Yeah. You know, like I was thinking on the ride over here, like what, what in the last 20 years has been like the big sea change, at least in the legal world, this might not have affected the medical quite as much, but like the internet, right? Um, attorneys had to go from handwriting stuff dictating now some still dictate but i mean obviously the internet and in the development of computers and the ability to communicate those documents and respond right now changed a lot so i mean what's staring us in the face there's a couple of biggies there's ai there's development of robotics and i think that a lot of that even though even though like society for the most part hasn't quite realized how quick the sea change is going to occur i think it's going to occur quickly so like I like, I'd like to listen to what you, because this again, crosses, I think all sorts of different businesses. How are you, what, you know, what, what's going to be, what's your business can be 10 years from now. And what do you, what are you already kind of trying to do to, to prepare for it? And if you haven't, what do you foresee yourself doing to prepare for that? Yeah. So a couple of things that you touched on right out of the get go, yeah. uh, was you mentioned, um, you know, it used to dictate same thing with us, right? So when we were right. charting, we would have paper charts, um, we, you know, we would have to pull them for each clinic. We would use a dictaphone and then it would go to a transcriptionist. You'd have a little tape and then they would transcribe your notes. You'd review it. But now we've gotten to the point now where we're either doing that on our phone, still a transcriptionist, or more frequently we're going to software that that is voice recognition, almost like Siri. Sure. Uh, there's different platforms. Dragon is one of them. Um, and electronic medical records has been another major, major change in the medical world, right? So paper charts are a thing of the past, right. uh, very rarely. And we were kind of forced out of that, you know, by the, the medical community to mm-hmm. make that transition or else we would have had some financial penalties. So um, that that's kind of been more of the business side of things. But from a technological side of things, there's been a lot of changes. You mentioned robotics. Um, AI is huge. Um, that's coming and it's already here for a lot of stuff. VR. So virtual reality. Um, there's some really cool things out there where, uh, surgeons can wear goggles and, uh, think about like in your car when you have heads up, right? So you're driving and there's like a hologram, um, 
projected onto your windshield yeah. so you can see your speed so that you don't have to look down at your dashboard right. to see what it is. Um, so that's coming up where you can actually be looking at the patient's near hip and they will project a hologram on there and it will tell you the position of where you should put the components uh, relative to certain landmarks and you don't have to take your, your eyes off the field. Right. There was computer navigation, which is still around, but right. that was probably a good 10 years ago. Um, I think robotic surgery is probably one of the biggest ones that you hear about right, right. now. Sure. Um, I'm pretty old fashioned, though. I, I will tell you, I don't use any of it. I'm not saying that I never will. But to in, in my opinion, right now, um, robotic surgery is much more marketing than it is clinically applicable. And um if I had to have my hip or knee done, I would want to have a high volume surgeon that specialized only in hip or knee replacement, did a, a ton of them, high volume, and um, was very, very experienced with, you know, revision situations and, and has years under their belt, right? As opposed to, um, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the younger surgeon because we've all been there before, but relying on, you know, technology, whether it's just robotics or vr or ai uh or uh augmented reality um those are things that i think are are cool tools or gadgety but you want to have that pilot that has the ability to fly the plane without putting it in an autopilot yeah be able to land the plane in a storm and and not panic i mean do you think this is gonna be the case 10 years from now who knows uh, I mean, yeah we're i mean a little bit, but- i i think that it is really taken off yeah. um and I think that most surgeons right now are doing it because their competition's doing it, not necessarily because they believe that the outcomes will be better. And there are plenty of studies out there showing that the outcomes, both short-term and long-term outcomes, survivorship is no different yeah. with really technically brilliant, what I would call manual or conventional surgery yep. versus uh, computer-assisted or robotic-assisted. yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. And, and there's a lot of like downside to it too, in my opinion, which a lot of people don't quite understand. So to do computer navigated surgery or robotic surgery, number one, it's a huge expense, right? To, to get a robot, it's about a million dollars. Number two, it takes a lot longer to do because you have to register all these points on the robot. Um, oftentimes you have to get a CAT scan or an MRI before the operation, which I don't ever really do to get different data points then you have to register them. Oftentimes you have to make separate incisions to put sensors in there um, so that the computer can actually know exactly where it is relative in space. Mm. Um, and to watch a robotic surgery to me is one of the most painful things I've ever seen okay. because it, it's yeah. it's guiding you. It's not like the surgeon is not touching anything. They're, they're pulling the trigger. They're trying to make the cut with the saw. But if you literally get it off by like one degree, it will just turn the saw off right. and it won't allow you to complete the cut. So what would take a robotic surgeon oftentimes uh, or a traditional surgeon maybe two or three minutes to do a step of a total knee replacement? Mm -hmm. I've seen take 15 to 20 minutes for a robotic surgeon to do that same two to three minute process. So is what you're like, I pick, I don't think you said this specifically, but what I was hearing is that um, there's a certain demand for it. Um, Some people think that that's the way to go yeah like, no i think there's surgeons that truly believe and okay. i do think that there is um there is value right? right there is there is definite feedback there's data that shows that uh these are very accurate accurate um procedures with a robot yeah but there's also data out there 
equally as much of that shows that good traditional manual instrumentation can get you the same, if not better results. Yeah. If it performed technically how you should perform mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, and every minute that you're in the operating room with a wound open, your chance of infection goes up dramatically. Okay. Um, and the cost, uh, one minute in the operating room is generally 90 to a hundred dollars. I mean, it's it's not cheap. It's it's interesting to hear it quantified that way, but I'm yeah. sure that's why you guys have to monetize it. Yeah, um, uh, you're gonna laugh at this. A little break in the action. I have one more thing to ask you, but like, I'm finding myself because, as you well know, this wing here needs to be replaced, and I should have thought of this, but I let you sit on the left or the right because that's where you sit. My greatest weakness is this movement with that shoulder. So every time so I've had why, to turn that's for why a beer, I put you in that seat. That's every time I've turned so for that, a beer, I'm like going like this. After two times, I'm like, why? If anybody was actually paying attention, they'd be like, that guy just, that's weird. What's, why is he turning to get his beer that way? Well, it's similar because my neck is bad from, uh. from what I do on a daily basis. <laughs> and it's way harder for me to turn to the left. To, I can turn to the right easily, but to the left is, is limited. We and didn't position ourselves well, man. No, but, but this you know is kind of like my home base. No, I know. This is still, I'm still going to get to my beer. Trust me. No, it's, I know it's so, not going to stop so, you. All right. Um, one You're not going to ask me a shoulder surgery question, are you? Because I am. I'm probably just amputate it. Uh, that would right. be my suggestion. Um, but it isn't. Again, this is more like the um, higher level. It's not going to be the macro level of what you do. Um, but I've watched you. I've never asked you this question, but I've watched you and some of the people you work with, and you've engendered tremendous loyalty in the people that work with you. I would say with, mm -hmm. for, they go hand in hand. Um, what's been, you know, going forward in anything we do? We're talking about that in legal practice all the time. Uh, the, the, the next generation, which is what new people doing what we do, should be called, right? Um, they see the world differently than we do. Um, but you've, been a, you've done a good job. I've, I've witnessed uh, the camaraderie, the loyalty that some people have. I'm sure it doesn't go throughout the organization. But what do you think you've done that's helped create that? Uh, the culture. Um, and it's not necessarily been easy. But um, so when I started Whole Health back in, in 2018, um, you know, it was a vision that I had in my head. And, and it started way before 2018, but that's when it officially opened the doors. And it was um, a place that would give the region's best. At that time, it was just hip and knee replacements. Uh, best hip and knee replacement care. It's now grown to generalized orthopedics. But it was also simultaneously a place that you would want to work and, and be a part of. And, and that's what I mean by the culture. So um, there, there really is, and I know people say this all the time, but there really is no job that I feel is below or beneath anybody, myself included, whether that's in the office, whether that's in, I was, I was scrubbing a toilet today in my office because it, it wasn't clean enough. No surprise. Right. And, and I'm a detail guy. So yeah, yeah. that, that needed to be, cause that doesn't present well. Mm. Um, and, uh, at, at the hospital, if, if we're not moving as efficiently as I would like that, um, I'm, I'm grabbing a mop, I'm putting sheets on a bed. I'm helping to open trays. I'm wheeling patients back. Uh, that was something that my mentor, Dr. Lombardi, instilled in me, gosh, probably 15, 16 years ago. And he said, Ryan, there, there's no point or no job that is too small. And if you think that way, 
you can't even think about bitching when things aren't moving as quickly as you want them to because you're not willing to do the things which may seem menial tasks uh, but are necessary tasks to keep the train on the tracks and to keep the efficiency going so for me it's like leading by example and um you know getting to know each of my employees um and 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 really respecting them Mm -hmm. because it's one thing that i've learned too is like respect isn't just like like something that you just get you you have to earn it no matter who you are where you are um even if you're the owner of the business right that because i have over 30 employees but like it's not something these days i think it's a different generation than our parents grew up with whereas like if you're older than somebody you just kind of demand respect and i'm at that point now where like i'm older than a lot of my employees but um it, it is really how you treat people so i i feel like treating people really well taking care of your staff as if they were your family members um obviously you have to create boundaries though like you're not you know crossing over and and they're you're not treating them exactly like your family but um just the incentivization incentivization that we we do whether it's uh with bonuses whether it's uh, 401ks profit sharing things like that and then you know just creating an environment that's warm and welcoming to patients and staff yeah alike no i mean you you touched on one thing toward the end there right it, there there's a, a balance you have to strike it's that you create the right culture but i mean you're still the owner you're yeah. still the boss so yeah interesting to hear yeah it's it's been a learning curve too like one of my employees today she's ally she's actually our director of marketing she um she had no idea my affiliation with edgewood and we were sitting there she's like i didn't know that you were like a part owner of edgewood i'm like yeah and um she's like and i kind of told her the whole story yeah and she goes how did you learn all the business things and I was like, uh, well, I didn't go to school for business and we don't learn any business in medical school, which is really, really unfortunate. Right. Um, it's kind of like on the job training. Yeah. And for me, it's been like trial and error, Just throw a lot of mud, paint, whatever you want at the wall. Some of it sticks, some of it doesn't. And you, you learn from your mistakes and I've made plenty of them yeah. along the way. And you're like, okay, that that worked. I think I'm going to do something similar to that. Or that didn't work. That really didn't work. I'm not going to do that again. Or if I try something like that, I, I have to obviously make some changes. Yeah. Instinct. I was yeah. with you a little bit on that journey. You know, you've been there questions, a lot. Instinct. Yeah. And then hopefully you. I do follow right my gut people. a yeah. lot. Like if it feels yeah. like this is what needs to be done, I do it. I, I, I'm a firm believer. One of the things that I get annoyed with the most um, is when people... Um, get paralysis by analysis they, yeah. they overanalyze things and then they hesitate they don't make decisions they lose opportunities i've never been guilty of that um i definitely some people may deem me and i think sometimes my wife karen would say <laughs> you're a little impulsive with things and i say right. well it's not that i don't think about it i think about um and i calculate my risks but I'm not going to lose an opportunity by sitting there and analyzing and saying should i do it should i not do it like I make a decision. I go for it. If it didn't work, that's okay. And you, you, you pivot. Fair enough. Cool. Thank you. Per- personal stuff. Yeah, sure. Fire um, away. I mean, I'll, I'll start with an obvious one for me and you, uh, but I've, I've never asked this question. Um, as anybody that would be paying attention to this would know, you have a preference toward a certain basketball player. And I think that's carried a little bit to 
a city. You and I share that allegiance. Yeah. But like, why do you have it out for LeBron? Oh wow, that's not that's not where that is not where I saw this going. Did you talk we are to, in Erie, Pennsylvania, to, to, man. to Bill Spiros no, beforehand? No, 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 no. And no. I was like, oh, this is exciting. We're gonna talk about Chicago. We're gonna talk about Jordan. And you spun it at the very last minute. I did. Oh well, I'm gonna get you when it's All my right, turn to ask fair questions. Enough, so, fair enough. what's my problem with LeBron? All right, first things first. Amazing basketball player. Yeah. Not going. You can, I'm. I'm not going to say he's not. Mm-hmm. He easily makes my top 50. I mean, top 10. Maybe my top five. <laughs> I'll give top five. Well, okay? well played. But no way, no how am I ever going to put him as the GOAT. Okay? There's just so many reasons why. Number one, look at his record championship-wise. Right? Um, yes, he can win games, but he doesn't win a lot of championships. How many has he been to? Like 10? How many has he won? 3.25 maybe is it four Wait, i'll give I them three. the bubble oh, the doesn't Lakers, count four yeah right right, right the right, bubble sorry. was like 20 games yeah, and yeah. they had no fans and <laughs> they had a weird tournament okay but, you know so the, the 3.25 yeah as a quarter of a championship <laughs> right. um but i also don't really care for like the way that he did things when he left cleveland to go to miami i'm a little bit more of an old school traditionalist right right you yep, never porch. would have ever seen Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, <laughs> Michael Jordan leave their team to go team up with their buddies to try to win a championship because that's mm. exactly what he did. Mm. He had to go to Miami, team up with D, uh, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh to win his first championship. And then when he did that, oh, all things are great. Now I'm going to come back to Cleveland because that's where I'm from. Like, I'm pr- yeah, well, you left him once. You come back, you win a championship. I'll give you credit for that one. Uh, but then when he left them, it was like you, you broke up with the girl twice. Seriously, to go to to L.A. to to get more showtime, um, and then team up with some more superstars to win one and one point two five championships. Um, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just again. And then he gets on his little platforms where where he thinks that he um, should be talking about certain life events that are completely irrelevant to what he does. I'm not to the point where I'm saying, hey, shut up, Joe, your basketball. But I don't care what you think about this, LeBron. Um, like, do, do what you do. If you want to have that opinion, that's fine, and you can voice it. But, like, don't expect the rest of the world to just buy into it because LeBron James, a very good basketball player, does that. And if Michael Jordan did the same thing, I would be like, you know what, Jordan? I don't really care what you think or believe politically or this or that he's just been so the opposite of that right yeah yeah that, that i asked a good question you did I you got me going now jim <laughs> <laughs> so actually i was thinking about that before um and putting together the few things that was me throwing against the wall with you and i was like why do i and i'm answering my own question now so bear with me um we both like one thing about Michael Jordan, and it was that, like, if my life depended on it, who would you pick? Who's the killer? That guy on the court is a killer. LeBron, I qualify more as, like, a savant, right? Yeah. Um, but yet, because he does. He sees the floor in a way that nobody else has. He, he. I would say, like, Magic saw the floor kind of like well, him. Fair, right? Fair. There's a couple, but... Fair. Uh, better than Jordan. I, I'll yeah. give LeBron credit for that. Right. It, it, savant, but yet... Someone that throughout the course of his career has, has absolutely won 
a lot of basketball games, but like there's always been something, right? There was those Cleveland days before he went to Miami and then starting at Miami and then he turned a corner, but there's always like some sort of game being played out there where, you know, you want the guy that in the moment is completely and entirely absorbed in that moment and thinks of the best player on the floor and thinks they're going to win that game. Sometimes that can hurt if it's someone that's irrationally confident, but when it's really one of the best players or the best player like Jordan, I put Kobe in that vein too, right? Like I I would put, I would take Kobe in a high pressure game winning situation well before I would take LeBron. I would, I'd, 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 uh, allow who LeBron plays with and who Kobe plays because Kobe also could go seven no, twenty seven. I'm, say, I'm saying, hero, I'm saying, he wouldn't be afraid. Last shot, right? He wouldn't be afraid. And you know that that person's going to take the last shot. It doesn't matter if you have uh, John Pax and Steve Kerr, or you have you know Ray Allen, one of the best, right. St- Stephen Curry. Like, no, Jordan's taking it. It's one on one. Right. I- I'm taking Jordan. Then I'm taking Kobe. LeBron is probably in, in my top 10, but he's, he's well, lower on I mean, that list. That's why I mentioned, I mean, my last comment, that's why I mentioned, like, it depends on who he plays with because he really is going to make the right basketball play, which yeah. means that, honestly, I'd much rather have been his teammate. Um, Jordan, you better have been of a certain mindset to be able to handle yeah. the crap he throws your way. And you're not going to get the ball quite as much. LeBron's always, anyhow. That's a good I point. Took us, I took us down a road. Um, well, one more point I want to make about that, though. Fire. You, you kind of got onto the competitive nature and yeah. quite honestly that's why this guy was so <laughs> yeah um valuable and important to me growing up because he is one of the main reasons that i have the competitive nature the competitive drive the like grit the never say die right. whereas like lebron he's sitting on the sidelines they're losing by 20 he's joking laughing with his teammates do you think jordan ever would have been caught sitting on the sidelines joking having fun no you can joke and have fun when you win the championship and you can drink champagne and pour it on each other's heads but lebron it, it's more it's not he doesn't take it as seriously as as jordan ever did or, or kobe i think i think i told you this so my first year in chicago so my first year of law school um was the final championship and um you know i was in the red at that point in life so i wasn't going to several bulls games i think i was up in the last row for a couple that year you at least got to make it there no totally and um but i wasn't a bulls fan at that time i always kind of rooted for jordan i actually waited till he left because i didn't want to be a bandwagon guy oh i get too worried about that but i loved that year that was a fun year and i loved rooting for the bulls so okay 97 98 so his last one though yeah it was 97 98 so that was my first year of law school thank you and then i decided to start like Utah Jazz. All in the next year, and it was the Baby Bulls with Curry and um, oh, Tyson Chandler, and they struggled for a long time right there, man. Yeah, they did. So I had some pain and then fell in love with Derrick Rose, and here we are. Um, <laughs> all right, so you ready for some more? Yeah, keep them coming. These are personal. I'll start with the sports one, but they're going to go down the same path. You're off top of your head, right? You can't overthink this. You have to make the decision within five seconds. Your best Jay, put the timer on when yep, after he asks this. Your best sport memory, personal memory. Oh gosh, it's it's too so, bad because I I just shared this on like two episodes ago. It was uh, actually Jay's okay episode. And hit me with it. I have some more to come off it. Go yeah. Ahead. So it was a three on three tournament, and I apologize to the listeners out there. Oh, but see, I don't know this. So this so is going to be go, good. Go. So, and it, and it, it's crap. even more special it, because if it, it had was, to do with you shooting a fadeaway twenty footer. The drops uh, and probably be- 35 feet, <laughs> about 10 times in a row against Cathedral Prep grads. Oh, 
So it was the best. So wait, so, where was the tournament? Family first, the old outdoor rims. It was three on three. Those. How nut- old are you at this time? You're in a college? I was college. Yeah. yeah, I was out of high school. Okay. I was probably 20, 21. Yeah, yeah. And still playing a lot of ball. Um, so still, still. Some buddies from like that you played with in school or whatever. Yeah. So actually, my at the time, he wasn't my brother-in-law. He's my brother-in-law now. He married my youngest sister, Kristen, who played basketball at Mercyhurst. Okay. She was a heck of I a shooter. I never knew that. Yeah. She, she led, Your youngest sister played hoops at Mercyhurst? She, she was uh, number three. Um, in the nation, Division Two for uh, three-point percentage her freshman or sophomore year when she played with Teresa Zumagala. Remember her? Oh, She, heck she won yeah. a championship for so, Mercer's So prep. she was a way better shooter than you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I was streaky. She was very consistent. Right. Okay. I was that, you know, I can she make eight in a row she played with or I can miss 10 in a row. We've never, that's kind of the fun of doing a podcast. Yeah, you learn a lot. But Is that I never knew you were a sister? Okay, so, so to we're your up day. there. We're playing. But who are you playing with? I like these details. So Mike Burrows, who will be a future podcast guest. Okay. Um, short guy. We, he was more of a distributor. Yep. He likes to think he can shoot, but Mike, you couldn't shoot that um, All right, and kind of slow Might, on defense, but you'll have your chance at rebuttal. It sounds but, like, <laughs> but we we played well together. Yeah. It, we had chemistry. Uh, my brother-in-law Justin Held, who was uh, he's a little shorter than me, but uh, really good defender, gets a lot of rebounds, good good down low, and just a very solid like fundamental. Where player. do you meet your sister at Mercyhurst? I introduced him actually oh, pl- cool. from playing on three on threes. All right, fair enough. So we we come up against Julian Blanks, huh. R.J. Fiorelli. Oh, and RJ's a buddy. And, and Graham Witherspoon. Okay. And, and, and I'm like, those are some good players I'm like, oh, right this, there, man. This is going to be quick. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to buzzsaw us. They're going to take us out quickly. Yeah. And it was one of those times, kind of like, um, and I said this to, to Jay too, it was like the member guests when Pete and I won that. It just like everything aligned, the stars aligned, the planets aligned for that one moment. And that moment was short, but it was for that game. <laughs> I don't think I missed a three, and they were deep. They were 10 feet beyond. Right. Hand in the face. And if you hit the rim there, it would have bounced into outer space because they were triple rims, metal backboard, metal post. Wait, so no bounce. Outdoors? Outdoor three on three. At Family First. Yeah. Huh. Up by the dorm- dormitories up there. Oh, yeah. Those hoops are there now. I never played. Yeah. Okay. They're horrible, yeah, especially no. for shooters. Which is typical for any. I mean, they're, yeah. Yeah. You would think you'd see that in like, like New York City. Right, 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 like right, right. Rucker Park or whatever that, yeah. that place is. Sure, where they sure, play. sure. And it thank God day. I thank God I didn't hit the rim because everything went through. And the right. funny thing is, is like no one was really watching other than maybe some of the, the prep fans because they're like, oh, they, they're going to kill these farm boys, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, holy cow! You see, and then t- things are talking. By the end, the, the whole court was was surrounded yeah. by people. And then I'm like, yeah, living on on cloud nine. Well, the next game we played another prep team, uh, Keith Neese, uh, John Trokey, and I can't remember their third player. They Mike, crushed Mike, us. Probably Mike Shazikowski. Maybe, yeah. but they crushed us. Yeah. And um, Keith, smart group, quite players. a bit shorter than me. Sure. Watched the game where we we crushed the other guys. Yeah, yeah. Did not even let me like get a shot off. He was in my face the whole time. Yeah. He just knew how to defend me, and because uh, I wasn't super quick or. You know, couldn't couldn't get around him that easily, and um, it was it was a pitiful performance. And you know, I said Mike Shazikowski. It's actually his brother, Mike. So I was gonna say, you know, that those guys are the guys that played. You Kobe. mentioned him earlier, Kobe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I said Mike. Mike was a year older than me. Shazikowski at prep, but his and then younger his brother. Younger brother, yeah, okay. would have been with that crew. Those. What's three. his name? 
Brian. I yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure it probably was. Yeah, and he's a, he's coached women's hoops at St. George um, and with the Irish for a while. So anyhow, yeah, I'm sure. And, and Keith played at Mercier's. He was a year ahead of me, so I got to know him there. Um, and he's just a, a really hard-nosed player. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally very sound, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. No, totally. Yeah, so. you're, talking, you're talking, I played, yeah, I've watched, you're talking prep basketball players. I, know. When I was th- Those days I was still around I, I got to see if I can get some film of that game against uh, Julian, though, because that you would have been impressed. You should have retired <laughs> right then. You should have just walked off. You know, you, you've been really kind of giving it to me tonight. So you, you don't, have you watched <laughs> any of these episodes? Yet. And I'm not done yet. No. I oh, good. Because I'm not done either. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. Yeah, that's why you go second, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. No, um, continuing down the best of, right? Um, I don't want this to be, this one's going to be tough because I don't want it to be work because you'd be able to pick it easy. But like a best academic moment right off the top of your head. Uh, easy. It was when I had the highest score in the nation on our orthopedic boards. And that's, oh, that's, that's actually an, all yeah. orthopedic residents uh, that take it when you graduate from your residency. And why it was so much more gratifying. I was a decent student. I was never the best test taker. I was never the, the, the smartest, but I worked really, really hard. And when I first came into my residency, again, a little redundant for some of our listeners, but um, when I came in, I, I didn't really learn how to learn or take tests until each year of my residency, I got better and better and better. And I got more focused because I was like doing what I loved, right? To get through undergrad, I just kind of did what I needed to do, mm-hmm. but I wasn't super passionate about it. When I got into med school, I would do really good on the things that I enjoyed. Excuse me, anatomy, physiology, things like that. But things that I didn't really enjoy, um, pharmacology, like the chemistries. It just, just wasn't something that I cared too much about. Mm-hmm. I would do okay. I'd get Bs, but I wouldn't. I wasn't crushing it. So orthopedics, I found what I loved. I started to crush it each year. But my program director, I didn't have the best MCAT scores. I didn't have the best any of that. And my co-resident was brilliant. Had the highest scores in the country, like MCATs, this, that. So he, when we came in, he goes, Ryan, you're the workhorse. Tyler, you're the show horse. And boy, did that get under my skin. But you know what? It was a great thing that he told me because it motivated me. And it got me so freaking fired up that Mm -hmm. I was like, by the time I'm done, I'm going to show him that I'm more than a workhorse. Mm -hmm. And yes, I was a workhorse. But like, to me, it was a little demeaning. It was like, you were going to let you do all the hard work, but like the glory is going to go to to this guy. Yeah. And then, so when I got that, he, he, um, they get the program directors get the results, um, almost simultaneously is when we get them. We get them in the mail. And I remember I opened them up and Karen was there and she's like, how did you do? She's like, did you pass? I'm like, yeah, I passed. And she's like, did you do okay? I'm like, yeah, I did okay. So they yeah. tell you right on the Oh, yeah. And, it, and you're ranking. And you're ranking. Oh, and, uh, yeah. And I was like, this has got to be a typo. Right. Right? Because I studied and I studied hard, but I was like, I knew who I was going up against because it's not just my co- It's all the residents in the country. Yep. And, um, and there was guys that were way smarter than me. And, um, but yeah, it was just one of those moments. Cool. It was, it was my, my Julian Blank. No, I didn't moment. realize I was asking you such a clear, like easy. Yeah. Right. Cause it wouldn't be for a lot of people. You'd have to sit there and think for a second or two, but no, that's, that, that makes sense. That was pretty easy. All right. Um, so I've hit you with a few. I mean, is there room uh, for any more? Yeah. Here? You can do one more if you want. All right. Best hunting moment. 
Oh, easy. Which is not my world. Go. See, yeah. I'm asking you. I'm spoon feeding. So, so we actually were supposed to record this last night. Um, Jim was gracious enough to give me a, a rain check on that because, you know, I just had a hard day at work. I came home. I had a throbbing headache. I just didn't feel great. And um, this it wasn't going to be good. And my schedule's so open that Ryan knew that I'd be able to just no, shift. Hardly. <laughs> hardly. <laughs> no, so but I was, life. I was shocked. I said, any chance we could do this tomorrow? <laughs> And for You're those of you that know me, I usually go to bed. I'm in bed by like eight o'clock. Yeah, I knew this was late. So, I <laughs> um, but yeah. you know, I said, I got to do something to be able to keep me up. So right after work today, I clinic, um, I hadn't been out. It's, it's ah. October 11th today. Yeah. Um, we're two weeks into archery season. Haven't been out once and it's my favorite time to hunt favorite time to be out in the woods, but my schedule has been ridiculous. I've traveled three out of four weeks Tomorrow I go to Phoenix for four out of four weeks, and then I'm done with work travel for a while. But yeah. I said, I got to get out in the woods. I don't care if I see anything. I just got to get out in the woods. It's like my sanctuary. Yep. So I got out there tonight. But to answer your question, um, best moment was, gosh, this must have been 15, uh, almost 20, maybe 20 years ago. You know, there was a period where I hunted when I was young and kind of through high school. And then when I was in college. Your dad, I, a hunter? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he started when I was 12. He never hunted before that. It was, oh. I really wanted to do it. Oh, wow. So I took the hunter safety. Where I went to school, it wasn't an option. Every kid right. in the school took right. hunter safety. Right. So he knew I wanted to do it. And we've been hunting with the same group of like his old teacher buddies, Melvin Smith, Jeff Deerdorf, some shout outs out there. Um, I just texted Mel the other two days ago. Just said, hey, I got some land that you're going to help me cool. close on. But yeah. Long-winded story. So painting the picture. It's it's my dad. We, you know, we're hunting, rifle season. It's cold. It's snowy. You know, we all look forward to coming inside for lunch. And my mom would always do a, a fantastic spread. She'd cook chili, she'd cook soup. Uh, the guys would bring stuff. You know, you have like a charcuterie board. You'd be eating deer jerky, deer bologna, um, vegetables, dip. There'd always be dessert, you know, because you burn a lot of calories out there walking the woods, driving deer. So and, and I was like the, the the youngest, but the most serious about it. The other guys were like, it's cold out there. Like, let's stay in here a little bit longer. I'm like, guys, you know, early bird gets the worm. And so I was always the first guy in the woods, and I'm always the last guy out of the woods. You're and an early bird get the worm guy in a lot of For facets. sure. <laughs> so I was like, screw you guys. I'm going out. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we'll be out in a little bit. Mm. So um, I literally went, got my gun, loaded it. And there's a huge field behind my my parents' house. Um, to the one far corner, it's about 200 and uh, almost 300 yards, 285 yards, I think. Um, and the reason I know the distance is I came out, I'm turning around the corner of the barn, and I look down to the corner of the field down by the gas line. I remember this like it was yesterday. And I see this group of deer running 285 yards away. Or, or not running, but just kind of like slowly walking. And I'm like, two of them. I did not even need to get my scope up on them. I'm like, those are massive bucks. So I'm like, they, they're definitely legal. So I pulled up. I leaned against the corner of the barn. It was so quick. It was just like no time to think. Just go, right? I pulled up. Boom, fired once. The, the one deer that I was aiming at, it jumped up in the air. Wait, sorry. For non-hunter. How far did you say you were? 285 yards. I. It's... Almost three football field yeah, lengths. I, I, yeah, right. So I thought you were going to tell me that they came closer. No, 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 no. They were cutting this way, going away from me. They were going into the woods. So it was like, shoot now or lose this opportunity. 
So I lean up against the barn. It's not like I can call them. They already, you, I see what they're doing. I have a very short window. I'm yep. like, go, you react, ask questions later. Shot once, see the deer jump in the air. I'm like, son of a gun, I missed it. I shoot again and I'm like, I missed it. And then the deer are gone and they all go into the woods. I'm like, oh my gosh. Not maybe five minutes later, it was less than that. The door opens and the guys are like, you shoot at something? I'm like, oh yeah. They're like, what was that? It was like a huge buck. I'm like, all right, we're coming. We're going to help you try to find this thing. So all of us go down there and there's probably five or six of us. Um, we go down to the corner of the field by the gas line and we're looking for blood, looking for blood. I'm kind of getting discouraged and they're like, well, where did they go in? And I'm like, well, here's the tracks. They went in right here. And, you know, I'm looking just where I shot. I'm trying to find blood, but there's so many prints. And all of a sudden my dad goes, Hey, Ryan, he's like, you got him. And oh. I walk over. <laughs> he didn't go into the woods five or six feet. Oh. It was in some like, um, like a golden rods. So yeah. I couldn't see it. Yeah. And it was a massive 12 point that is now hanging on my, my wall upstairs. Ah. Um, Jay, I'll get you a photo of that. So would you have had you, you know, not been, you weren't going to go, you didn't think you got him, right? You weren't going to go try and track it. Oh, no, I, I would have continued looking, okay, okay. but I, you know, they all. No, I mean like when they came out initially and we're oh, like no, saying, no, no, let's no, go. No, 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 no. It, yeah. it doesn't work that way. Like you could see where they're going and you could say, all right, they may circle around, but you're not going to like chase them right. or follow them. Yeah. You kind of have to anticipate. No, I, I understood that. I was curious because I think you said that the guys came out and said, "Let's go look." I mean, did we hear you shoot? I didn't know if you were going to go look. Oh, I, I was absolutely going to go oh, look, okay, and they gotcha. they just heard it and they were yeah, so yeah. close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I I mean I was maybe fifty feet at so most that, from that, the house. To this day, twelve point. I mean, yeah, I've seen enough racks. I haven't been out in the field, but I know enough. Yeah, yeah and it was cool. just a beautiful deer. It was very symmetric. Yeah, it yeah. was like one of those. Once in a lifetime. I imagine it to be like a good hunting story, right? I mean. Uh, to, to this day, every time we're talking um, for 20 straight years now, the same group of guys have come. A couple of the guys have passed away. Mm -hmm. But there's the f three guys, my dad, Jeff Deardorf, uh, Mel Smith, uh, John McCaskey, who uh, father of Kristen McCaskey, great younger than me. Um, he stopped hunting with us probably three or four years ago, but the, the other three guys, every time that we have lunch, we talk about that story. And it's like, do you remember the time? Sweet annually still with that crew. Oh, yeah. And you, are, you young, are you the youngest that does it? No. A uh, little guy called Luca Molly is, is <laughs> Right. Not, you bring the voice. <laughs> he, he loves hunting. No surprise there. <laughs> There's out, no surprise Our there. outdoorsman. Yeah. The other two could care less about it. Oh, that's too funny. All right. Well, I mean, cheers. Uh, it's role reversal time. That's my gamut of questions. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So business Spin stuff it. first. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're going to have some fun taking you apart. But um, business stuff first. So you mentioned, you know, you went to Notre Dame for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Did you play quarterback there? No. No? <laughs> is this business or is this personal? It's, Where <laughs> it's, it's leading to business. Sorry. So I snort snuck out. So, yeah. They're, so they're you, you went to Notre Dame, then you went to Gannon. But yes. you you taught for several years. And, and coached high school basketball. Yeah, correct. Um, you you kind of went through this at the very beginning, but like, what was it that really made you say, like, did you not enjoy teaching? Were you, did you have a buddy that was an attorney? Like, what made you think of law school? Like, what did you, 
I have an uncle that I know your dad mm-hmm. was an attorney for, mm-hmm. for decades in the Erie area. Was it your dad? Yeah. Who was your Who was your influence? Yeah, my dad might have been a subconscious influence, but because of what he did, for whatever reason, I just didn't want to do that. Um, oh boy, how do I tell this in a quick a quick version of it? Um, I loved teaching, and I was a teacher at Fort LaBeouf, and it's still today when I go to the Fort LaBeouf High School for a game or whatever. Um, it's just a cool unique school because um it's got the hunting vibe in a big way right yeah um, first day of the size, season's off yeah but yet it's got like a very different community in summit so at least from a demographic perspective it's it's kind of diverse in that regard but waterford's a very proud community it's been there for a long time i enjoyed being there enjoyed my two years there because i got way into it so i was the head high school basketball coach i taught seventh and eighth grade english but yet um, I'd already come back from Notre Dame, um, not for indiscretion, but by choice. But I, I still think there was probably a part of me that felt a nod to figure out what the world was made of. And so that was the debate. After my first year of teaching and coaching, I just said, you know what? I think I want to go to law school. And so I took an LSAT little, read a book at coffee shops on my own, got myself ready for it. And then the second school year started and I was like, I don't want to go to law school. I mean, I had energy for it. Basketball season came around. I love this yet. I'd already paid for and signed up for the LSAT. So I went and took it on a fr- Saturday morning at Gannon. I was the last person that walked in. Everybody had 18 pencils. Sh- I had one. Sh- shocking. Jim, <laughs> too, is the last person walking in. <laughs> well, at that day. Unless Karen Molly was taking the LSATs. Oh, you guys would have been fighting oh, for the last my seat girl, in Karen. there. Thank you, Karen, for taking some pressure off me. So Hold on real quick before you say that. Because sh- she was like. Uh, Jim, what time is he supposed to come over? And this was before we moved it to 8.30. I said 8 o'clock. She goes, you know he's not coming over at 8 o'clock. He's going to be at least 20 to 30 minutes late. I pulled in when you switched it to 8.30. I pulled in at 8.31, so it wasn't too bad. So thank you. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, Keep going. So walk in. It was for a different reason at that age because I actually went out the night before because I wasn't thinking I was going to law school. I went in with one pencil. Everybody 18 took the LSATs. Um, And and so... uh, then um, basketball season started and I was teaching. I was way into the hoop season and you had to apply for law schools in January. And my dad said to me, don't not apply because you just don't find the time. Right. Don't not go because you don't find the time to apply is what he told me. Very wise. And I'm like, all right, dad, I'll suck it up. Have I told you this before? No. All right. Because it's actually pretty. So I picked a day late January. It was right around my birthday. My birthday is January 28th to go to a coffee shop. There used to be a coffee shop where... Um, Oh, darn it. The restaurant that's kitty corner from uh, the the baseball stadium. Um, oh, cloud. Yeah, nine. yeah. It's like a wine bar now, yeah. right? Yeah. It used to be a coffee shop. So I go in there one night in the winter, January, and I've got, because I'd been in Boston, Chicago, wanted to go to big city. So I had like five Chicago, like five Boston apps. I had Dickinson, which is Penn State, and I had Notre Dame because I still had an, you know, an affinity for the Irish. And so I, I'm like 12. I'm not going to complete 12 apps. So I'm like Boston or Chicago. Literally, this is how it went. All right, Chicago. I threw all the Boston in the garbage. Um, <laughs> you didn't even do like three and three? No, 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 You're no. You're like, no. it's was, all or nothing. I was done. And then, and then honestly, this you, is what You didn't happened. know your wife at this point, did you? No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, okay. And so then um, next was I pulled out uh, Chicago's. University of Chicago was the first one. University of Chicago was the top five school. Um, didn't know how I did my LSATs, but I felt like I, I did pretty well that day. And I felt like, you know, I mean, I, I was good academically, so I was probably going to apply just to see. 
and the letter that they were sent, having you provided the people that were going to, so they had a hand, you know, a, a pre-made, pre-prepared letter that you're going to give the people that are going to write your recommendation was so arrogant. I was like, I can't go to school with kids like that. So I threw that one out. Literally, Northwestern got, came out next. I was kind of excited about Northwestern. It was due, and like I, th- I think it was due the next day. So I must have been in January 30. It was due January 31. Garbage. So now I'm down to <laughs> They're like, where's the Boston ones? <laughs> now I'm down to Loyola, Chicago. <laughs> DePaul, Kent, and Chicago, Notre Dame and Dickinson. And those are the five I applied to. So um, anyhow, basketball season ended, and this is where I'll end the story with you because you'll appreciate the spiritual component of it. And I just told the story on Saturday at the St. Alphonsus Oktoberfest for the first time in forever. Um, so I apply. Basketball season ends. I'm still torn. I've been debating it. I go to mass at St. George by myself. Mom and dad are out of town. God speaks to me or whatever, right? Um, I'm supposed to teach and coach. I'm supposed to teach and coach. I leave that day. I went home to my mom and dad's, right? Because I had an apartment. But I go to my mom and dad's. They're out of town. I had a cup of coffee. I had the Sunday paper, which I love to read, beginning to end when I can get it. Notre Dame Hoops was actually on TV. I kicked my feet up. At some point during that, the phone rings. I answer it. Father Larry Richards, who was very important in my life he's now the pastor at saint alphonsus here in erie he's calling for my mom and dad but he also knew that like i was contemplating leaving town um i don't see him nearly as much as i used father larry gives me the business whenever i do see him and that's what i saw on saturday when the story came up so i say i'm excited i say to him hey you know i made the decision in mass this morning i'm gonna stay and teach and coach thinking that's a great vocation he's gonna be fired up he you no, I'm not accepting that decision. I don't believe that. You're supposed to go to law school. You got to read this book for you. And it was called like something like God's will in your life. And he ended up giving it to me. I got off the phone with him that day. I was so angry because I was so excited to be done with the decision. And I read his book and then it was all gray again. And I was angry for a while. Ultimately, one day, very clearly, the day I got Notre Dame in Chicago, same day, it was a Friday got both of their acceptances in the mail that day. I opened both and I'm like, I'm going to law school. And it was the right thing to do. And I haven't looked and back. And how do you choose a, a Chicago Loyola over uh, Notre Dame? I, I want it. All right. Good follow up. Um, Notre Dame is South Bend, which is eerie like, right? Yeah. In size. Um, I was fortunate enough to do pretty well in my LSATs. And so uh, uh, I was invited to what's called Dean Cof- Dean's Coffee at Loyola. And I did have one sister live in the western suburbs at Downers Grove. She still lives there, my sister Paula. And um, so I said, I'll go to the Dean's Coffee. Flew in to stay with her, drove in, took one of her cars to drive into the city. And it was a Saturday morning. The Dean's Coffee was, let's say, 9 a.m. 8.30, random Chicago Saturday, rainy. And there's a Starbucks at Chicago and State Street. I wonder if it's still there because it was a divey Starbucks, but I loved it. And it was Kitty Corner. To Loyola University was, of was Chicago. Was it Kitty Corner to uh, Pippins? No, close. No, okay. Block and a half away. <laughs> and close. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about that later, maybe. Yes. So anyhow, I was just sitting there, and I called my mom, probably on some flip phone, right? They just gotten invented. Because um, I was sitting there watching people walk by in the rain. What year is this? This is, uh, this is no. probably, if I had to guess. This what were you like, talking about? 97, 98 was your well, first. Right, right, right. So, so I went to, uh, this is probably March of 1997 to okay. take me a bit. And uh, I was sitting there 
Because they had a, a, a like a bar looking out the window. People are going by, and I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be in a big city. I'm supposed to be by myself, figuring life out. And I called my mom right there, and I'm like, I'm supposed to go to Loyola. To Loyola. And that's where I went. Yeah. I haven't looked back. I honestly think that Northwestern being due the next day was a bit of serendipity because I met such great friends that I still have to this day. Loyola is full of sm- smart, fun, hard-charging people that are well-rounded. And Northwestern is a great school, so I'm not disparaging at all. But, like, I just so appreciate the people that I got to know. And they all are from, like, that area. Loyola is a very phenomenal, loyal Chicago presence. And the law school does, too. Um, And so all of them. um, So I got integrated to Chicago. I met all of their Big Ten buddies. They came from different Big Ten cities or schools. And it was awesome. Yeah, it was just I have never looked back on that decision. That was, that was a little bit of God's will. Yeah. So next question business is, um, you get through law school, right? You decide to practice in, in Chicago for, you said 11 years, I believe. Yep. Something like that. Um, how did you decide upon your kind of subspecialty of law? Yeah. Which is, are you commercial real estate or, or I mean, I do in real estate, you do some residential stuff in Erie in Chicago might've dipped my toe in it, but primarily in Chicago did, all well ultimately did all commercial so okay. your question is how did i get there yeah like how did you pick that over litigation yeah. over you know whatever I, other uh, subspecialties kind of like drew you yeah so i actually started um at a firm called bellboy and lloyd which i i emailed to you is uh, an old school connected chicago firm that now since has merged with canal gates Canal Gates, if you've gone to a game at Pittsburgh, like the baseball stadium, you, you see Canal Gates. It's, it's okay. a big law firm. You'll see them next time you go now. So it's not just a Chicago firm? Yeah, it's, no, no, no. It's, na- it's national. Okay. So it merged with Canal Gates. But at that point, it was the last of like the there's big Chicago firms to not merge. It stayed Bellboy and Lloyd because, again, it was connected. Um, loved him. Jim Daly was the head of the labor employment group. So my second year of law school, I was a summer associate at um, Bellboy and Lloyd. And worked in Jim Daly's area. Jim Daly was a labor and employment attorney. Well, the Daly's were the mayors of Chicago forever. Yeah. He was the first cousin of the mayor. Ah, um, I was like going to ask if there was Chicago, that connection. Chicago Transit Authority, Cook County. Those were all the clients that he had. And he did labor and employment work. Jim liked me. We had a good connection. And so when I had the preference where I'd start at that firm, I, I, I did real estate, but also labor and employment. And Jim liked me and said, I want Jim Tui, so I started in that group. And it was actually pretty cool, but I did that three and a half years, labor and employment stuff, a lot of labor. Um, Jim was a good dude. But I didn't like, to be quite honest, the guy that, I won't say his name, um, that, that did a lot of his work, couldn't have been more opposite me in personality and style, and we butted heads. And um, he wanted me to be someone I wasn't, which is a very important lesson that I've learned. And professionally, it's you got to be true to who you are. You can't try to be what you think your boss wants you to be or who your boss is. And I didn't know that. And so I was entirely uncomfortable. Um, great moment. Jim Daly being the great dude he is. I go into him to tell him, so I'm getting ahead, but I decided that I was going to open up my own shop for a year. And I did the law offices of James B. Tui PC and wow. got my sports <laughs> management certificate, graduate certificate from Loyola because I was thinking I was going to get into athletic administration, marrying law and the sport. Oh, pack. I never so knew I did that. that for a year while running my own office. But when I told Jim, I was going to go do that. He said, uh, what, what, what? 
maybe you could get into our real estate group. Like, why learn it on your own buck? Learn, do it with us. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. So I tried to transition to the real estate group and they didn't have a spot for me. And so um, for like three months, I was a Seinfeld character. This is an aside, but it's funny. The, the guys knew in the group I was leaving. I told them I was leaving. No firm date was set. And so... <laughs> Uh, they just stopped giving me new work, and I kept showing up. <laughs> were you, but were you were you still getting a paycheck? Yes. <laughs> okay. Because no one was going out on my own. No one was coming at some point. <laughs> the classic moment was Pete Morrison was the head of the group, and he was a good guy. Jim Daly wasn't, interestingly enough, I don't think the head of the group because he was just doing his own thing. Pete saw me in the hall one day, and this was just like two weeks before Thanksgiving, and he's like, "Jim, saw your October time," and I'm like. About time I go, right, Pete? He goes, how about, like, the end of the month? I'm like, you got it, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, I wrote it for three months just to enjoy that, and I was working on setting up my practice until they told me don't show up anymore. So then had my one year by myself, decided not to do sports management. Chris was just then pregnant. I'm skipping through it all. Uh, Ryan knows Chris. Um, and then, and then decided, though, that I had to, um, uh, I liked real estate more. Transactional works more for my personality. And decided that I want to re-engage. So I decided to apply for a job at a place that would give me a little more stability. It was Fuchs and Roselli, and that's where I spent my last six years. And they, for a smaller shop, did all sorts of really cool commercial real estate work in Chicago. Like, I was representing developers of high-rises, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because of John Roselli, who played hockey at Notre Dame, of all things. He had a great Jeez. reputation. So there so, you go, man. My, my last business question, yeah. which just seems like it's natural. We've, we've heard, yep. why'd you go to law school? Why'd you choose real estate law? Why in the hell did you choose to move back to Erie, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania? What was the, was it a job offer? Was it a, I think it'll be best for our family. Was yeah. it a combo? What was it? Yeah. Right. Right. Opportunity, right time. So if Chris, I mentioned this earlier for, was pregnant with our third Ryan, <clears throat> her little daughter who she had, probably four months before I moved back and then she came later, but like we were going to move to the suburbs. We had two kids in the city. No one you in moved the, city. the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah. All okay. 14 of my years in Chicago were in the city and no one moves to the suburbs. Um, I'm sorry. No one stays in the city. Very few do. If you have beyond two, very few people in all Chicago land, <laughs> more than two kids, yeah. five kids, the cost of raising five kids there just doesn't happen. So we were going to be moving to the suburbs. I was at a, Strange phase with Fuchs and Roselli, trying to figure out how I was going to fit in their longer term. And Scott Wallen, buddy of mine here in Erie, classmate of mine at prep, president at Quinn Law Firm at the time, had, I'm going to tell you, the, I keep saying the bridge because I can tell long stories, had, had a guy reach out to me serendipitously at a moment where I was like, because Chris never wanted to leave Chicago. I didn't. I thought I was living there the rest of my days. I, was, I loved Chicago. Um, but it just came at the right time. And so we decided to explore it and it took us months. Um, and Chris couldn't even make, bring herself to make the decision because she so loves her family. Um, but, but my instinct was something about um, the fact that none of her siblings at that point had kids. I have a large family here. Uh, my mom, um, rest in peace. Love you, mom. Um, she was still here and very excited about the potential. My wife's mom had passed. I never met her. So all of that, um, long story short, uh, led to us making the decision and honestly I mean, we've had two kids since and i said that earlier i mean erie you know i think it took chris a while to warm up but it's been awesome to us did do you have again you're an attorney so i figured yeah. you did but when karen and i decided to move from detroit 
here in 2015, it was very similar. We had this month to six weeks long deliberation. It was her idea to even consider it. I wasn't even considering because I, I just became a partner in my Michigan firm or uh, practice, call it firm. Um, and we had a, I had a legal pad and I literally drew a line down the middle, pros and cons. And she did the same thing. And we went back and forth for over a month. And at the end of the day, I mean, there was just no arguing. There were way more pros than cons to moving to Erie. And all the same things that you mentioned, great, great place to raise a family. Yeah. It's it's safe. It's easy. It's the people here are great. Um, it's not a Midwest city technically, but like I feel like it's Midwest. Like the people behave like Midwest people. Like they're very helpful. Um, they're friendly. Uh, if, if you need somebody to like, oh, you need help lifting that or unloading your truck or something like that, people are willing to do that, whereas other areas of the country, they may not be so willing. Right. So yeah. personal stuff. Yeah, let's roll, man. I mean, I, I already dipped into the personal through my long Yeah, a, l- responses, a little bit, but, but um, <clears throat> you've mentioned, Chris, a couple times, like, how did you guys meet? You don't know this? Uh, maybe you'll jog my memory, but yeah. off the top of my head, this I don't. This is a classic Chicago. Oh, man. So, do, do, we um, need, do we need another beer for this one? Absolutely. All right. So, we're going to go. So, we're drinking the same thing here. I don't pie. Unless you want the. Day. No, 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 no. This okay. is perfect. Yeah. Perfect. This transition. is your dogfish head. This it's is pumpkin ale. 10 10 by now. I mean, my kids are all in bed. There's, yeah, it's cheers. Um, and it's a pumpkin ale. So, my second pumpkin, but I'm excited. Let's have a sip, right? Yep. Cheers. So. Chris, what was begins with a D? Del Yummy. Dargusis. Dargusis. Lithuanian. How how did you guys meet? And right. how did you convince her to number one, marry you? Yeah. And number two, move to Erie. I don't know which one's more amazing: the fact that she married you, <laughs> or decided to move to Erie. I'd like to think it was Erie, but in hindsight, I think a lot of people would think, yeah, it was the former. Marry me. I'm with you. Um, I'm kidding, but <laughs> I kind of you are. <laughs> She's. Probably heard that a few times. So, um, all right. <laughs> this is another good one. You keep asking questions that lead to good ones. If I had to like list my good stories. Um, so I lived my third year of law school across the street from Wrigley, right? In the right field, right next to a bar called Sports Corner. Um, I think I've been there. Yeah. I mean, anybody that would, it's right off the L. Yeah. It's just like you can't miss it. Correct. Like as you're going to... Wrigley, you like Almost walk everybody right takes past the it. red line. Did you take yeah. the red line? Yep. Yeah, you walk past it. So right around the corner, like from our, I can't say that we were like, we didn't have a rooftop. We were like the last building that would not have one. And you saw most of the outfield. But nonetheless, it was on the third floor. So it was very cool. And third year of law school, uh, I already had my job at Bell Boyd. Um, you know, you're uh, one of my friends called me homeless, too, because I went to so many Cubs games in the bleachers with just by myself sometimes and, and <laughs> hung out and drank, drank some beer. And was it old style? Met people. Hell yeah. All right. Old I know, style. I know my stuff. So if oh you've ever goodness. been to a, a Cubs game at Wrigley, you have to get an old style. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it tastes like you're licking an old 1950s dumbbell with rust all over it. Love it. It's I'd disgusting, have, I'd have, I'd but have it's right. great fact, when you're matter there. Matter of fact, if we did this all over again, I'd be like, get old style. Um, Could I get that or would I have to like special order? I, have, I don't think I've ever seen it in Erie. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Goose Island is Chicago yeah. now. So that's what, you know, that, that's what comes our way or is a little more national. But I've never seen, I, I wonder, that's a great question. 
I don't know the answer. So, um, anyhow, uh, Cubs, uh, it was the weekend before my last final of law school. And um, I think May 5th is the day of the Cubs game because that's the day that in my head I met my wife. And uh, a bunch of my buddies from Erie. Cinco de Mayo? Eh, could it have been Cinco de Mayo or was it May 1? I think it was Cinco de Mayo. May 5th is what sticks in my head. Okay. It was either May 1 or May 5. I'm going to go with May 5. Um, I'm going to go with May 5. A bunch of my buddies were visiting from Erie because they would, they loved Chicago and they had a buddy that was there and um, they knew I was across the street from Wrigley and my lease was running up. So literally I had probably eight friends um, come in and stay at our place. And um, we uh, arranged with a bunch of law school crew to get a bunch of seats in the bleachers. And one of my good friends from law school at that point, Kelly Martin, she uh, was a sorority sister of my wife. And, and so Chris came to the game with Kelly and her crew um, uh, long, then after the game, we went to a bar called the Wild Hair. That's where we often went. It was a reggae bar that you wouldn't go to if you were visiting from out of town. But it's right on Clark Street. It had air conditioning. That's what we loved about it. Wow. And good music. It always would. And it wasn't over overly crowded. Great combo. So we went to the Wild Hair. Chris happened to be there with another group. And, you know, I don't know. Someone quickly introduced us. And I was behind her a little bit later. And I was smitten. And I reintroduced myself, and she's like, I'm sorry, who are you? And I was like, Ooh. wait, you? You know. So, Ooh. I don't know. I I fell for her very quickly in that moment. And so, that same day, to bring a cool story full circle, she ended up marrying me, and then we came back to Erie, of course. One of the visitors that day, my buddy Gary Moss, met my good law school friend, Aaron, right? Um, and they've married, and they live in Chicago now. So that same day. So it was like a yeah. swap of rooster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was whipping around the dance floor by the end of the night. And I, I would say that Aaron probably rused the day that she fell in love with my my buddy Gary. I love both those guys. But yeah. So two couples came from that visit. That's awesome. It was cool. And no, I had not heard that story. Ha! So there you go. I, I've heard there you a go. lot of stories. So another personal story. Um you, you come from a large family. So yes. how many kids in your your family? Yeah. So I four older sisters, and then a younger brother. And I've met some of your siblings. I've met at least one, maybe two of your sisters. You definitely have. one. I would say that in different moments. I mean, you definitely met Sue, but you met, yeah, you've met a few. Like, they yeah, made a I, point I because you've been good to my dad. Uh, a second one at the baseball game. Yeah. The the Seawolves game this summer. Yes. So Dr. Molly Ryan um, replaced my dad's knee, and... He's now in with, as he probably is with anybody helps out, of my dad, sorry, I need to finish that, who's now 89 at the time, was probably 87. Um, and so my sisters are the ones that um, I'm not good enough as, a, I guess, a son. I don't get into the nitty-gritty of his medical state. And they all made sure he was being taken care of, and you took care of him. So I did the best four, I could. And you've met a couple of them. Yeah, yep. and then your brother, Rich, yep. is um, the head pastor, priest yeah. at Our Lady of Peace. He is. So, um, you're Catholic. I'm Catholic. I'm very proud of that. I know you're very proud of that. Uh, I know your family's very spiritual. Um, my grandparents, I remember they had a bedroom reserved for Father Yergi. He was oh, a priest that would come and great. visit. And they literally, you couldn't go into Father Yergi's bedroom. Like, I would All peek right. in there. There was cool stuff in there. There was, I remember a picture of, uh, Pope John Paul, there was a rosary, there was this, there, but it was immaculate. 
and it was just like off guard. It was right off the, the formal dining room in, in my grandparents' house. Um, so I've always been kind of enamored by like the priesthood. Um, and I've met your brother. He's been to our house. He's I've I've hung out with him in our backyard. Wonderful, wonderful guy. He's so smart. He's he's got a great personality. Love his messages in in church. How was that being like the brother of a priest? Like, take me on that journey of like, did, did he always know he wanted to be a priest? When was it? If he didn't, when was it? And to this day, do you think of him as Father Tui or do you think of him as your little brother? And and do you ever have to feel like you have to filter stuff because he's a priest? Because like when he was in the background, I'm like, oh, I can't say a swear word. <laughs> 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 you know, it's Father Tui's here. Yeah, no, that's all legit. He, all right, so little brother, when? So he went to Notre Dame and got a business degree. So like it wasn't his lifelong intent, okay. right? I mean, you never... I mean, my mom always wanted one of us to be a priest, but aside from mom wanting one of us to be a priest, like you wouldn't have had an instinct in high school or, or at Notre Dame. I'd love to ask is you raised that. Like I'd love, he had a good crew of buddies at, at Notre Dame and I'd love to ask them when, when you guys were sophomores and juniors, cause shenanigans, I mean, yeah. my brother, I won't, you know, but he was a regular college student, yeah. you know? And, um, and he's still a human being, right? Heck like, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Appreciates a beer. Did yeah. then. All that stuff. So um, I think he did, he'd be better to answer this, but he did a year of mission volunteer work in Brockton, Massachusetts. Um, his heart was stirred for something, or at least he wanted to figure something out. And I think that's the year. And then he came back to Erie. He was the, I believe, the director or the equivalent of the diocesan like youth ministries. Um, and I think I think Brockton's when he got the call. And I think it got solidified while he was doing that. Lo and behold, he, he became a priest. So I, listen, I, I've been all behind the journey. Um, it, it's been phenomenal to observe. Um, never a weird thing. Highlight of it, he was because he went to the North American College of Rome, because mm-hmm. he, which is over right next to the Vatican, even almost I think loosely tied to it. But he was um, ordained right under St. Peter's chair. One of the coolest, you know, eight or ten kids and marriage and birth and all that stuff. You know, it's right up there. I mean, it was really cool. Very unique thing to, to witness that ordained a deacon. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when you make your lifeline commitment. And so, no, I've, I've been nothing but loving it. Uh, the only weirdness through the ride. Cause you asked that there, I mean, was when he, so he is pastor of our lady of peace, which, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's the parish that we joined when we came back here, independent mm-hmm. of him. He was in Warren at the time. And then he got named parish or pastor of our parish. And so that, that, I mean, that takes, that's, that's a little odd, right? Cause mm-hmm. everybody has an opinion on, you know, the president, maybe the mayor, um, mm-hmm. their family physician, sure. certainly their pastor. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and sometimes they'll, they'll move. For, you're not oh my gosh. People follow to, right? and there's und- undeniably people <laughs> follow their pastor. Very first. So it took me cause I was a bad brother. And at that point I had five kids and several of them were very little. So we would go to mass wherever it fit in our schedule. I don't feel like I got to his first mass at OP for until it was like the fourth week. And like, I'm in the cry room and I come out because my, you're crying or because no, no, Mar- little Marin. Okay. So Marin at this point, if you go back, she's now, oh my gosh, she's eight she's or eight. nine. She's eight. So she's eight. And at this point, she's two. She has me out in the vestibule during Rich's homily. Love my brother. He has very sincere, awesome points. No one would ever call him like, you know, the quickest homilist. So 
I am out in the vestibule, and I don't think I've ever said this to Rich. So, Rich, if you ever, if he ever sees this, love everything you do, brother. Um, and this has nothing to do with you because it was a random guy that came out. But like, some guy walks out to go to the bathroom, and he just makes eye contact with me. And he's like, "The new priest can talk, huh?" And I'm like, right out of the gates, right out of the gates. He's like, "You haven't met his brother." Right. I'm putting on a performance tonight. <laughs> right out of the gates, I'm like, oh, yes, this is going to be unique. Right. Um, and yet I get just to juxtapose that in case he would ever see this or one of my sisters that would then tell him um, <laughs> he, he I get so many positive compliments or positive comments and compliments because of his passion for his ministry. And I'm proud of him. Yeah. I, I mean, I have met him just a couple times. Yeah. I'm proud of him and and blessed to be able to belong to his parish yeah. and um do you, just a this isn't a personal question this this doesn't count do you think he would ever be on a podcast oh heck yeah he'd be fun i think i think he would be and i think he would yeah 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 so I, maybe, i'd be very i'd be very surprised if he would not be i'd be yeah. That that would be really cool. Get his sorry butt on this podcast. All right, that's a goal. Oh wait, wait! I think that was your final question. No, nope, you know? nope, nope. Okay. So I'm gonna do a kid question, but then I'm gonna kind of break away from what we generally do because I've got a couple cool things I want to do. But um, so you have five kids, right? Yeah. You've kind of gone through who they are. Um, how do you and Chris? Um, all right. So when you're you have your first one, you know, all your time energy goes to sure. that one, and you still have your life outside of that because there's only one kid. Yeah, and you can. Oh, Chris, you got the kid? I'll go, go to do this. Or Chris, yep. you go do that. I got the kid. Yep. Baby number two comes. It's classic. It's, you know, two on two, right? You, you're, you're tag teaming it, right? But then that third one comes, and, like, we, we've made that jump, and it's like, you got to go to zone, mm -hmm. right? Then you go two on four. Yeah. And then you guys chose to go two on five. Like, how do you do it? And I know you guys are extraordinarily busy, especially like you have a, a thriving law practice. Um, you're you're actively involved. I mean, you help coach, um, you know, some of your kids' athletic uh, events and, and endeavors. Like, how do you guys do it? Like, we, we have three, and I feel like it's challenging. I know people will just say, well, you just do it. But do, do you guys sit down that, each week? That's my initial response. Good and question. do you have like a game plan? Yeah, like, yeah, all right, yeah. this week, this is what we're going to do? Yeah. So, I mean, you do here. My quick analogy at one point was like, if you had just some one day given me five kids, it's like dropping the frog in the pot of boiling water, right? Yeah. You just, you jump right out and you'd be like, this is the stuff, but it's a slow boil. And eventually you find yourself like the frog boiling. Cooked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I use just, that same analogy when I talk about employed physicians. No offense to any employed physicians out right. there, but each year they turn it up just a little bit Fair so enough. that you don't realize by, by year five, you're cooked. <laughs> So <laughs> that's fair enough. But. Um, so no, no, no. Uh, how, how do you do it? We have never, we tried the weekly thing. Um, but what we've settled into is constant communication. It is what it is. But we, for a while I would probably was getting surprised by stuff. And so that's why we, should we do a weekly thing? Um, instead we just communicate the night before slash afternoon of, um, you know, like I, I tell people, I've said it to you, it, you. Don't ask me on Monday what I'm doing on Friday. I mean, I can look at my calendar and get a snapshot, but like in terms of the kids, a lot can change. And, right? I, and I've learned a lot. I mean, I've got, you know, but no, it's kind of day by day. And we know we've got to coordinate. 
We have my dad who still helps with rides. Um, uh, but we just, we just make it happen. We're constantly on the go and you just kind of laugh. It's communication. It's fighting for your kids. Um, but yet trying to find moments to enjoy life. I mean, this is kind of cool for me because I don't do this much yeah. where there's an hour and a half from in a very unique way. This is like me and you at a bar stool somewhere. Like I don't do that. And so, it's I mean, fun, we do sometimes. It? It's not like we never do anything. Yeah. But when we like do we, it. We've gone to some concerts together, yeah, which have been really, really fun. Or couples or, you know, maybe me, you, and a few. But, like, it's just nice to hang out a little bit. So thank you for this. Of course. Um, but you just. Thanks for coming. Yeah, you kind of, it's day by day. And you're right. Uh, my practice, I've had to learn how to peel a little bit back on that and be more settled with shutting down at the end of the day with 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 something I can get to later, which happens sometimes. Or the next morning, um, I pride myself as you do. I mean, like I, I try to be efficient and responsive, um, but 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 you know, I'm only going through this phase once. Kids and family. Yeah, so you, you got to set your boundaries, right? Yeah. Like cer- certain points, like yeah, this seems very important, but work wise, um, but like I can get to that tomorrow. Yeah, it's not critical that I get to it right now. That was hard for me to learn. That that me too. art is yeah. to, but I've gotten a lot better at that. Um, not that there isn't occasionally. It's not like some people have the skill of just doesn't matter how big or little an issue. Um, if it's big, I dive back into the kid, and then I'm back on for a couple few at the end of the night when they've gone to bed, if it, if it needs that. So, I mean, it's just about balance. Ba- yeah, balancing, figuring out, and it, it, back to the spiritual. Like, I mean, I, because I can't, because life's so on the go, I find a little bit part of my ministry, my life, my wife, my kids, you know, it's just my passion play in my work. And I try to turn all of that, the, the chaos of it, I try to take a moment and just say, this is what I got right now, and I'm going to bring it the best I can. Yeah. Is it, I mean, you've got your priorities straight. And um, my, <laughs> my life coach, I've mentioned her multiple times, Allison Parplasha. Yeah. You may or may not know her. Uh, she recently moved to Savannah, Georgia. She's definitely going to be one of my podcasts. Um, cool. But she said to me a couple years ago, she's like, Parents, busy parents oftentimes get their priorities mixed up, right? But it really needs to be God, I, we, you and your spouse, and then your your kids. Oftentimes, you definitely jump over yourself. People forget about self-care, whether it's working out, whether it's meditating, whether it's going out in the woods and Heck yeah. uh, spending a couple hours just literally enjoying, taking the moment in the fresh air, the fall colors, the, the chill of the air. Um, I, I had, I have very spiritual moments when I do that. I was out in Colorado Springs last week. I had a very, very spiritual moment when I was hiking and I was on the top of a mountain. Cool. Um, and you know, and then you sk- sometimes, oftentimes, skip the we. Right, you, you stop yeah. doing date nights. Yeah, it's not you, like you get put on the back burner with Chris. Chris gets put on the back burner with you because you've got to take Duck to basketball practice. You've got to take Kate here. Uh, Ryan and Nate are doing this, and Marin's, you know, with Kate with uh, Chris. So it's it it gets very busy, and then you go right to your kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it doesn't need to be the volume of time, but you can't skip those steps. So. Over the past couple of years, I have spent a tremendous amount of time like it's okay to love yourself and to take care of yourself and to put some time and energy into doing something for you. Because if you can't be good with you and you can't love who you are, it's going to be really hard to love your spouse and be there for your kids. So 
Uh, but but above that is God. So it's like yeah. it is this tiered approach for me now that has really helped me to balance my life out. It's, it's tough, man. You, you do your best. Um, but yeah, and hearing what you're saying right there, which was really cool. Um, and I would love to meet your life coach and or listen to her podcast. But like, it's that um, even though you're supposed to put yourself higher up there and take care of you, there are days where you feel like you're taking care of you. But like, at, the, at least at my stage in life, that I'm doing that selfishly. Um, and so I, I've learned to overcome that yeah i i used to think of that too it's yeah. like if i take this time uh, that's being selfish but yeah. then you realize like if you don't do it yeah you're not gonna you're gonna be maybe short-tempered with your kids yep. or with your wife it just gives you energy for life man yeah yeah i'm with you amen so next we're gonna break it up a little bit we'll do the uh sawbone seventh inning shoe stretch awesome. so um you know for those of you that maybe this is your first time watching I'm a huge shoe guy. Um, have a, a massive uh, Jordan shoe collection. That's kind of my thing that I collect. I don't collect cars or this or that, uh, but that's my thing. I'm a huge basketball guy, huge Jordan guy. And I ask my guests to either wear their favorite pair of shoes or a very meaningful pair of shoes. And uh, Jim, I shit you not that this session of this podcast has what I thought was going to be very simple and just right. like uh, uh, noth nothing too deep or personal or powerful has become probably one of the most powerful sessions that I've ever seen. Oh, wow. Um, where I've heard some stories that have brought my guests either to tears or close to tears oh. and, and myself and oh. people that have listened, including Karen. Like she she broke down during, um, doc, especially Dr. Hutzel's, Dave Hutzel. Yeah. Ever get a chance, you got to listen to that podcast and particularly that shoe story because... Ooh, I get chills just thinking about it right now. It, it, and I don't want to spoil it if you haven't watched it, but no. you should definitely tune in. But cool. Let's hear your story. Oh, man. After all that, I'm a huge disappointment because you're just going to laugh at me. Um, I've never been a shoe guy. We've had very good conversations on your shoes. Yeah. So the point is, though, I appreciate it before even any of this. And if, you know, I lived 100 lives, I think a couple of them I would be. Driven to that. I love the collection piece. I did baseball. You know, it's, yeah. it's, there's a nostalgia. But I never, for whatever reason, when it came to shoes, uh, professionally I haven't minded a decent pair of work shoes, but like when it came to the shoes, I, like when it came to like my high tops or my sneaks when I was playing hoops, I was more focused on just getting out there and taking you. Like I didn't care that much growing up about the shoes on my feet, but taking me back to Chicago and your favorite brand. And then you're going to laugh at me. <clears throat> I yesterday go to work because I thought I was coming here after coaching, then straight to here. So I knew that crystal Herman, who works with me, her husband's uh, what's the expression for people that are into shoes, shoesy or something. There's an expression for him. Oh, there. there's an expression for someone. Like oh me? yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. Maybe people don't tell it's me. It's like a foodie, know. but whatever the heck. And okay. So, her husband's way like into a shoe head or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, shoe head it might okay. be. Her husband's way into uh, collecting them and just knowing what's out and released and all that, and he's gone through it all. So going back to Chicago, one time when I'm heading to the L after work, I need a new pair of hoop shoes because I was still playing in those days regularly. And there was a, a store at State Street and Madison Avenue, and I pop in there, 
And um, I'd never had Jordans. And they had a, a pair of Jordans there. And not too pricey. Bell did not go off in my head that like, why are Jordans just sitting there on the rack in Chicago? And so I buy them. And they've been, like when I play occasionally anymore, I'm going back to play a little, not much. They're the ones I wear. So I've had these suckers for, I'm going to guess, 15, 17 years. Wow. And thought they were like one of the number Jordans. So I say, Crystal, text your husband, find out, find out what these are. And I can't remember the expression for it. I just was looking at my paper to see. It's not knockoff. These are Jordans. Yeah, yeah. I have, like, I have a couple pairs of those. They blend like the six, or you know, I wanted to find out the number. Yeah, there is like, there's no number for those. They blend the 10 and the 16, she thinks. But there's oh, some really? of these shoes are blends and they're not authentic. Like for, so, for sure. Here I am all fired up. I at least I have a pair of Jordans to wear to the Brian's I podcast. Mean, they, they've they've got the jump man on there. They got the oh, two no, three no, these on are there. legit. Yeah. And, and I bought them in Chicago. Yeah. Right? But yet, nonetheless, they weren't even authentic Jordans. Don't let my boys see you in those, though, because you know Travis, my buddy. Yeah, oh, yeah. So he came over with a pair of, uh, they weren't Jordans, but they were some Nikes. And Luca, of all, no, yeah, it was Luca. He goes, bro, he's like, where'd you get those? Walmart? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they kind of saw me. They just didn't say anything yet. Um, They didn't say They respect their elders. Oh, my. So here. But what I thought in segue, having shared that I'm not much of a shoe guy, you'll get a kick out of my one shoe tail, and it's hoops related. And it's old school. So junior high school. Converse All-Stars, the canvas. Seriously? Junior high school, I was cut by prep. I broke my ankle in football, and I rushed to come back. The coach, and I loved him as a person. Marcel? No, Marcel first year was my senior year. Okay. Yeah. And things went very differently. Um, but he he kept 17 kids until like the day before the first game because he didn't know who those last two cuts were going to be. And I was one of them. And I was devastated. But then I played CYO. Cath- well, it was a Christian youth organization or Catholic youth organization. It still exists where kids that don't play for their high school team, you play yeah. for a parish. Yep. Um, and it was uber competitive then. We had like 15 teams. I went to St. George as a kid, and it just so happens that like St. George is already kind of thinking they're going to win the championship locally, and the guys were all a year older, and they were excited when I was cut because then I was going to play with them. And lo and behold, I did, and we ran roughshod. I mean, we kicked everybody's butt. In the most controversial basketball game that I've ever witnessed live, we lost in the state championship in overtime to a Philadelphia team. But nonetheless, yeah, story for another day. And I want to tell you that someday. But nonetheless, we're playing OLP for first place at OLP, which is now where my kids go. It's the very gym that I coach in. And um, I was kind of a... Scrappy? Prick. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah, you can. I was a I, I, scrappy, whatever the heck. You know, I'm a junior in high school. And a buddy, I don't even know what buddy. I don't even know how they fit me. He had red Chuck Taylors. St. George's Red. I wanted to go into Old P's gym and wear red Chuck Taylors and kick their butt. And I wore red Chucks for the game, and we kicked their butt. And I let us oh, in score. Wow. Did you wear like tube socks with the big red rings up I at the top I don't remember too. the socks there's no pictures of me doing that that day oh, but I mean I, I was gonna that, say that is my Jay's gonna ask a question hey do you have a photo of that game uh, and those shoes that is and, my one 
like you know kind of like snarky but kind of cool and legendary old kinda school like sneaker day that's kind of like jordan when he went to the, the garden <laughs> and he wore right. the jordan ones the olds. for his yeah. last game at the garden right when he was with the bulls right, right. and scored like uh, 45 50 points something like it was ridiculous funny thing is i can't remember like it i guess the one thing that i can't connect to my brain did i go out and buy him just for that purpose but then I never would have given him away. I feel like I bummed somebody's red. Yeah, I think whatever. I think the story is better if you bummed him off. I, no, I really think I did. And and they were like a size and a half too small. They we listen, should add that. To I it. don't know that, but yeah, for me to have gone and bought him, that's way too aggressive. Yeah, I don't. Especially do that. not being a shoe guy. No, and I I sit around to this day. I've had on my list need two new suits for like two years. So no, I had somebody that spoon fed me those yeah. things, and I went out there and I. I mean, at least I got it done. You did. We didn't it sounds lose. like you uh, kicked some butt too with them on. <laughs> did your feet hurt afterwards? I don't have any. I don't have memory of like awful experience. I don't have memory so of like, like you took your shoe off and the skin just. All yeah, came I don't off have of memory it. of like through the whole game, like wondering what, when is this going to end so I can get my shoes off. <laughs> um, yeah. You had too many endorphins flowing through your system. I from, did, from man. The game. That was fun. So these are the Jordan Eleven Concords, the breads. So anytime you hear the word bread. Referring to the Jordans, it's it's black red color combo. The bull ah. the bull colorway. So when they say colorway, that's got w the color combination that they use for that particular shoe. So you see the black, you see the red, the white. Yeah. But this patent leather was what really defined this shoe. Um, there is a shoe that I have, the Jordan One Concords, that they're low Jordan Ones, but they have this black patent leather that they brought as a tribute to the Elevens, and combined them with the Ones. And I, I think I wore those for Travis's episode, and he wore these ones for that episode. So we had kind of a, a tribute from the ones and the elevens. And and by the way, when I was growing up, Jordan fours were always my favorite. Um, Jordan elevens were like my second favorite. Now my taste is growing to the point where I really like the Jordan ones are probably the most comfortable, and they were my least favorite growing up. I thought Jordan they were, ones were the of ugliest. Everything or the most comfortable? Yeah. They are. They really are. And especially the lows. I'm not a high guy. I would never really. These aren't too bad. I was always a high guy, man. Um, but and when I, I played, when I was I feeling that. Hold on. Like, I would love when that. I played basketball, I always wore oh, high tops. Okay, I see. And I taped my ankles because I would sprain my ankles off. Yeah. And I would lace them. I, I would lace that up and I would be as tight as it could be. Right. Um, with tape underneath. But I'm saying like day-to-day -day stuff. I wouldn't wear this generally. This one's not too bad, but some of the Jordan 1s, they come up really high. This is more of a mid cut. But, um, yeah, I just like the... Yeah, I like the mid. It's just kind of like, it's Jordan-esque. It's kind of cocky. Like, you've got this black, so shiny patent leather. So, are you saying leather. this is the only Jordan, like, authentic original, like, of the number? How many are there, by the way, now? Oh, gosh. Th 35, 36. Eight-ish. Yeah, 36. That has this... Leather, yeah, I mean, they started yeah. in 84, 85, so yeah. just do the math. Right. Um, oh, but fair enough. I mean, they've done some other iterations, like the 12s. It wasn't patent leather, but they had kind of this edge. Sure. Um, that was the flu game shoe. Yeah, I, I think these are super cool. Yeah, but I mean, you probably remember him wearing these. Yeah. Right? I mean, actually, one of the posters out there has him with, with this on. But um, before we go into the next section, which yep. is going to be awesome and okay. fun. Um <laughs> But by the way, the next section is the seventh inning. No, this was the seventh inning shoe stretch. Uh, it's the Sawbones Challenge. Okay. Which, have you watched any of these episodes? You said. Sat, listen, man. I'm a, going a, to. He's making excuses. That's I'm a no. not. I haven't. 
I so haven't. That's okay. So you're completely so next surprising Wednesday, me. I guess that's the one, one benefit. Perfect. Um, but before we do that, I want to tell just a couple Jim Tui stories. Oh, crap. Yeah, because you got me at the beginning. Okay. So one is... I'll be quiet. So Jim's second son, Nate, and my second son, Santino, are the same age. And for a couple of years, they were classmates. Um, we would coach the MYAA, Mill Creek Youth Athletic Association, rec team. And, you know, it was this was probably four years ago. And I was like, hey, Jim, you know, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coach. You want to help me? Like, yeah, yeah, I'll help you. I'll help you. So we get in there. We're doing some practices, and we eventually get into the games. And our mutual friend, your business partner, Bill Spiros, um, it's kind of funny because you work with him, and then I see him. And, um, you know, he just kind of, like, would ask me, he's like, how, how is it coaching with, um, with Jim? I go, yeah, it's good. I was like, he is really, really intense, though. I mean, really intense. Like to the time where I'm sometimes like kind of taking a step back, not, not offended at all. I'm just like, Whoa, like Jim's intense. And then, um, apparently he told me this later that he asked you like, how is it coaching with Ryan? And you were like, he is really, really intense. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you remember? I I didn't never heard that. But did you say that? I, yeah, you know, my memory, I, I, I don't know if I would have said intent because like you weren't like yelling at kids if that could be construed that way. Uh, but you 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 brought like, um, you know you weren't Mister Passive Dad. So would no, I have used the word yeah. intense? I don't know, but I would have said Ryan. He brings it, man. I I, I would say intense is fairly accurate. Just uh, I, like I almost got. I wouldn't say thrown out of a game last year because I was coaching. Well, but not, I, I'd say that those kids were little. I think we were pretty stinking positive with them. Yeah, we just brought a but, lot of energy. But but as it gets a little older, right, and you get a little, you get your competitive juices flowing. Sure. And it's not like, hey, my kid's the best or anything like that. But, um, and I hate to bring it about the refs, but like something happens and, and you're just like, what? We're human. Yeah. And, no, and, but I, I actually, if you would, it's kind of funny to hear that because if you would just walked in and say, hey, how did you and Ryan work as a, as a coaching group that year? And I mean, we still, we know each other even a lot better now than we did then. Um, but nonetheless, I, I have good vibes for it, but you're right. Like, I feel like at first I was like, oh, Ryan really brings it. And you probably then in my own way, because I'm, I'm full of getting after it when I'm out there. And so, yeah, that's funny to hear that. that well, I and mean, then we coached flag football together too. And that, that was oh, a lot sure. of fun too. Heck yeah. But, um, so that's funny story number one, but the second one. So we're coaching. I think this is the second year that we coached together. I thought this is what you were going to tell. Yeah, we're going there. <laughs> uh, we're, we're coaching and we're practicing at Sinai Grace because I think uh, this was after the contract with like Old Family First, Erie Sports Park, whatever it was at that time. Uh, so all the games were at Sinai yep. and, and we're practicing and we had this one kid. I'm not going to obviously say last names, uh, but his, his name was Gianni and um, wonderful uh, little fellow, w- wonderful kid. He, he was, he was a bigger, taller kid. Um, and I mean, he had an awesome rat tail, just like, just, yes, he did. Um, it wasn't really a mullet, but it was more of like a really long rat tail. <laughs> and so Gianni, we're going through, I think it was like layup lines or something like that. 
And, is- and we're like trying to teach the kids like, okay, right side, you're going to go up for the layup. The guy from the left is going to get the rebound. You're going to go on the outside so you don't cut in front of the guys coming in for the layup. And the same thing when you're going to the rebounding line. And um, G- Gianni just was not getting the drill at all. And Coach Tui was like, I got to get his attention. So he's like, Luigi, Luigi. And everybody's looking around like, who the hell is Luigi? And Gianni's even looking around. And and then he goes, he's just a, frankly ignoring Coach Tui, but it's because he didn't know that his name was Luigi because it wasn't. It was Gianni. <laughs> and Jim just kept going. I felt, I felt, Luigi. And he was getting angry that the kid wasn't responding to him. And so I'm like, Jim, Jim, I'm like, who are you calling Luigi? He's like, Luigi. He's pointing at him. I'm like, that is not Luigi. I was like, his name's Gianni. You were laughing your butt off when you told me that. You were like, his name's Gianni, you dork. Oh, yes. So, yes. God bless Gianni. I did do that. And it wasn't my proudest moment. But yet we've had some laughter. Over oh that. gosh, there's so many more. I could tell the football story. That was like that's for a different day. Oh, but Luigi, do, do you have any funny stories you'd like to share before we go into the Sawbones challenge? Oh man, Ryan, I didn't know I was supposed to come up with a funny one oh, for you. I, I can keep I telling mean, them about you if you want. I I won't. <laughs> I was going to try to give you an opportunity. Many of them involve. Oh, censored. Yeah, would Connie Mall is watching this. Yeah. No, I'll 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 pass. Um, I appreciate you. We have funny moments. We do. Um, Vito, as any friendship should. Yeah, there, there's certain things that are in the vault, right? Mm-hmm. So was it was I bad to bring the Luigi one out? No, that, I mean that was. I mean that was a. It wasn't it was intentional. An yeah, it was just my total. I, I will I will admit one of the things. Um, my brain doesn't do so well of late is remember names. Um, oh, I'm horrible with names. So yeah, there's, there, there's no surprise. And the fact that like I mixed two names <laughs> of like intense Italian, like descent, yeah. if you will, it's, we all do that, right? We, 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 yeah, type. Uh, uh, we'll create a typecast on somebody. Yeah, and then subconsciously, I mean, that was I'm part like, of the brilliance. If I was yelling, Mark, I'm like, does he have a does he have a mustache? Right. Is it Mario, Luigi? What's going on? I mean, on? if I was yelling, Mark, that wouldn't have been funny. You know? Yeah. No. About, I'm so about, glad you picked I mean, Luigi. Oh, something about <laughs> you know I Johnny, Luigi. The end of the night. You know. I. The funny thing is, is I just other than Mario Brothers, I don't. I've I've heard of Luigi's, but I've never met a Luigi. So that the fact that you picked that I Italian name, I don't know a Luigi. So I can't say that like last the night before I was hanging out with a Luigi. Um, no, not a great moment, but a funny one, and it was innocent. So that's good. It stands. Good stuff. Uh. All right. So next, as you are, hopefully, and Jim doesn't even know what's coming yet, but mm. uh, the Sawbones Challenge is next. So stick around. Um, after that, we'll come back. We're going to do our conclusion, kind of our wrap up, uh, and then we'll give you a sneak peek as to uh, who our next week's guest is. So stick around. Sawbones Challenge coming up next. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. All right, everybody. Hey, it's a Sawbones Challenge. So fortunately for Jim, it's late at night. I don't have good enough lighting outside, so we can't do 
the standard three-point competition, which he was making fun of me earlier, saying that my sister's a better shooter, which she was. She played college basketball, D2. Yes. Uh, and was a shooting guard, so she definitely was a better shooter. But that being said, I'm going to demolish you. <laughs> and if Let's we would have had the three-point competition, it would have been even uh, worse. Yeah. You actually stand a chance because we're going to do the basement version. I think this is a third version, 3.0. I know Anthony, no, fourth. Anthony Santoro, we did Pig. Dr. Kim Mesha, we did the Papa Shot over there. Uh, Dr. Archana Anand, we did the Papa Shot. But we're going, we're going Pig. And I always let my guests go first. All right, so. let's do it. Pig it is. Um... Let's start with a little fun. Ready? I haven't even shot here yet, but... Oh! Oh! oh, 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 oh. I thought I had you get out of Lace up those Chuck Taylors, Jim. Let's go. Pop a shot. <laughs> Did you see that vertical? That was like a credit card. That's a shot you can make when you have kids that are down here with you all the time. Does it have to go to the backboard? The ball it, can be the, it can be the wall. Yeah, I just gotta have to be, jump. Huh? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I can. <laughs> we'll give you one more chance. We're gonna give him a second too, chance. That was way too fast. Really nice. That was way too fast. Oh, he got it. He got it. So this is my little, I have some Ode to Kobe, Ode to Jordan. This is my Skyhook, right? So you come here, you fake with the right, you come up, over. That's gonna get you. I'm gonna get at least one letter off. Alright. I need to reverse. You gotta come under the hoop and use the board. Oh. Ooh. Wow. He's doing a little Dr. J here. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Came to the camera, came around. Right here? 
Infamous last Jordan shot against Byron Russell in the Jazz. Oh sure, the couch is right there. But he, yeah. he sometimes comes in, does one of those kind of pushes, comes back, fades, oh. and drains it, oh. and goes oh. six championships, oh. six baby. All right. He actually yeah right he has it on the left I think. Yeah, yeah. it's it's opposite right. Push, pushes him, fades. She wouldn't even, you wouldn't get a letter on her. <laughs> Sawbones challenge. All right. Stick around. We got the closing coming right up. Hey, everybody. Welcome back from the Sawbones challenge. So, Jim, I, again, just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, busy evening work week um, and coming and doing this. This was fun. Thank you. It, no, it really was. Every cool... guest that I have, it's just like I learned so many new things about them. Right. Well, that's. It's good that you authentically enter in. You don't have an agenda. You make it conversational, and I think that's cool. Yeah. Appreciate and I kind of like not knowing the questions or not letting you know the questions yeah. ahead of time because then it becomes a little too scripted. Right. So, um, but thanks again for, for doing this. So I always ask all my guests this, um, and, and personally, I don't know if I can answer this question myself because I'm kind of an in-the-moment type of guy, uh, but where do you see yourself personally and professionally in five years. And I know a lot of that is probably dictated by the fact that Marin is in third grade. Yeah. Right? So oh, yeah. Uh, you're going to be probably here for at least five years and no. maybe 10 years. I, I don't know. More than probably any guest you have on this show. I'm, I'm probably, I, I'm going to be doing what I do for, I mean, God willing. Right. Um, but I'll be doing what I'm doing for another five years. I, I am conclusively and definitively knock on wood I mean, just at a great firm. Now, Bennett, one, two, if you count the law offices of James B, two EPC, three, I four. I do. This is five, right? So really four places. So I, I bring some of that to the table, and I'm in a great place. Um, that I've had no thoughts. Um, uh, it's a great firm. It's well-managed. I love the people I work with. So I, I anticipate, because of my kids being the AGR and the number that I have, that you know I'm going to be keeping plugging along. Um, what might happen over time is I get a little more time for some of the things that I haven't been able to do. Right. It's going to be the traveling. Um, my, Chris and I somehow or another, she likes the NBA with me, uh, because I like the bulls and she'd watch them with me and she's good at hoops. She knows hoops now. Um, not that she didn't before, but she's entered into it with me. And we had like a goal to go to all 30 NBA cities oh, and wow. see a game. We made it through like four, but, I could see us re-engaging. Yeah, you know? that'd be awesome. That kind of stuff. Uh, maybe we'll have to do two a year by that point. Yeah. But no, I mean, there's a lot of life left. But for, for five years, I think five years is, you know, some of that will start happening more. Marin will be in eighth grade, and I'll have a couple in college at that point. But um, I've got I've got plenty more years of grinding away at the office. How um, old was your dad when he retired? Because he was... Well, yeah. What is, what is retire? Um, he's still... My dad's 89. And he still has a place that he can rest his bum at the Quinn Law Firm because they've been phenomenal to him. Um, but he officially kind of retired. Uh, no longer did work for anybody at COVID. So what was he, 85? Wow. I mean, not that he did. Uh, I, 
he likes the connection to people in a place. And the Quinn firm, he's very proud of his name is, if you do the full name of it, is it's on there. So he, he just likes that. I, I think I'm going to be more of a, uh, when my day is done, I'll, I'll handle it professionally phasing out, but like my day will be done. And you're, I will you're, not, you're not, you're not work until you're 85 no unless i mean unless tragedy occurs that dictates that you know usually by 85 your firm has kind of moved you along your way so a lot of that they just appreciated having him around and um he still was a a good advocate for the firm so they they respected that he wasn't practicing uh practically speaking all that much but um yeah he didn't covid is when quote-unquote he officially no longer um, had anything to do with the firm other than the fact that he, they still allowed him to show up and hang out a little bit, and they've been wonderful drink, to him. Drink some coffee. And- right on. So I, I'm much more in five years, though. Um, and, you know, I mean, the key's going to be evolving with the practice. I mentioned AI earlier, and AI is going to be a big part of the progression of law, right? Really? I never thought about well, it with, with law, but... All of those... Um, technologies or um uh, that allow for ai to, to, to draft things and to write things and they do it so much quicker right and so i'm in a drafting profession and so you know the first version of it i assume every firm is going to have to be plugged into and and um you know a member of and have access to ai technology because you're gonna they're gonna be able to ter- they're gonna get used to how you write and you're gonna be able to say to it i want a draft of this agreement um, that has this these components to it. And I'm, I assume that they're going to be able to get you just through that, you know, 93% of the way there. And then you're just going to be fine-tuning it and getting it out. I still think the art of negotiation beyond yeah. that is going to require two humans. But yeah, you're not going to be able to be displaced entirely. Yeah, like I mean, already me, a lot of people... Yeah, go ahead, like, sorry. You, uh, my world, right? You're never going to, like, not have a surgeon. Right. Like, yes, there's robotic assistance. And AI, I just saw an article where... Um, an AI actually scored, I think, at the fifth level, uh, fifth year level resident for the in training exams that we take every year. Well, yeah, it's like the chat GBT stuff, yeah, right? I exactly. mean, I don't have it. I've not, I've not dabbled in it because I'm not one that's going to be all over that. And I know a lot of people are and are much more techie oriented than me, but I, I realize the future and I realize I better get ready for it. Um, and I've made mention to our firm. I mean, we've got to try to be progressive, which is why I was asking you that because I'd like to hear how professions and other fields are anticipating the future because I'm more than five years. Yeah. And imagine if you're 33 and just, you know, taking your bar exam and started working in the last few years and you've got 20, 30, you know, 30 years of practice left. How, how dynamic is the change going to be for them? It'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. Well, we definitely live in cool times, right? Both yeah. our professions. And I think a lot of other professions have that opportunity to see, um, the challenges that exist and, and the growth potential that exists. But again, Jim, thank you so much for, for coming on. This was thank a lot of fun. Me, man. Okay. Appreciate you. We got to get back to coaching together again. So I can <laughs> get some I more of the will give stories. us another opportunity, but Woo! you know, that being said, uh, stick around cause we have our uh, next week's guests. And if you have any comments, any suggestions, any, uh, questions, submit them. Um, Follow us, subscribe, share with your friends, and spread the word. And again, thank you for spending the time with us. It's been a lot of fun, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day. Well, that'll hit close to home. Uh, I'm from the same town as you, Maplewood, uh, Townville. I always like to say we couldn't even think of a name for our town, so it's Townville, <laughs> where we're from. Center of the universe, right? Yeah. When, 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 let's see, be in our 20s. 
Like I worked all through my 20s and you were in school pretty much until you were 30. And you actually came and lived with me for a year and you lived in my basement. I had to finish. Not a year. It was it was about two and a half months. Is that what it was? Yeah, maybe it three. Because it, it was like a long time. You no, know, it was uh, it was actually July, August, September. It was my first three months uh, that I was supposed to be doing a pediatric orthopedic rotation, and a lot of people would go like to Cincinnati, very big for orthopedics, pediatrics, and I knew I was going to do adult reconstruction. It was my last year of my residency, and uh, we had Shriners Hospital in Erie, and I yeah. said, you know what? I know what I'm going to do with my career. I don't need to be pinning all these supercondylar elbow fractures and these kids are doing these long spine cases. So yeah, you and your wife, Jess were gracious enough to host me, but that was 2009 from July till yeah, July, August, September. That was a good time. It was. We had a good time. We did. I it remember was, getting it out on your boat and oh my gosh, you're losing us money. I'm like, I am not stupid. No, I do not have a business degree, but I realize that orthopedics uh, and spine surgery generate the most amount of revenue for any hospital, hands down of any subspecialty. And we're talking tens of millions of dollars that, that we're generating for the hospital. And, and they were they were saying that you were losing them money. Yeah. Really what they meant is you could be making more money and you're not making us more money because you couldn't have been losing them. No, money, right? no, I think that they were just flat, flat out lying to me to try to like get me to, to, to motivate me to do more. And I don't know, man. I, I, I just I love how in the country everybody knows your neighbors. You take care of each other. Yeah. No, I would say the same thing. And, and I think it, and, and this isn't a slam to any people that grew up in the city. I mean, my God, my wife grew up in Metro Detroit, um, much bigger than Erie. But um, there's a different mentality, too, in terms of, like, work ethic, too. Like, I grew up on a farm, right? So we were we were cutting our own wood. Uh, we were doing hay for the cows in the summer. <laughs> you know my dad, General G. We were mowing oh, yeah. the lawn three times a week. Three times, if not four. <laughs> Gerald was tough if, on the grass. If there, if there was a blade out of place, it was like, all right, get out there yeah. and take care of it. He was an old man way before he was an old man. He, for when sure. It comes to grass. <laughs> well, I have loved some fish around in the outdoors. Tell me all about it, Doc.